Get the latest news and sports online <coughs> at bbc.co.uk <coughs> slash three counties. <coughs> Let's turn the microphone on. Hey, morning, Kath. Oh, hello. Um, I, I've found we've got the new Fleetwood Mac song. Brilliant. We'll, we'll play it before half past six, and then if, if, you, if it's okay with you, could we get your professional opinion of it, please? I already know it's, it's going to be brilliant. I heard the last bar of it yesterday, and wow. I thought, oh, classic it's, Mac. It's, cl- it's classic Mac, is it? But I, I think it might be slightly 80s Mac, but I still like it. We'll, I think we'll right. have a listen. Oh, hey, calm down. We'll be playing I can't it. calm down about the Mac. We'll be playing. I'll forget it. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 four double five five double five. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Including, as you may have heard in the news there, one of the biggest events in the three counties has been cancelled. Well, will you miss the Luton fireworks display this year? More than half a million people in the UK can't feed themselves or their families. What foods can't you afford anymore? And move over, JVS. Move over, JVS. I'm asking the big question this morning. What have you left on the roof of your car? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a cheeky text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Four five nine four double five five double five. One of the biggest firework displays in the three counties won't go ahead this year because there's no money to fund it. Luton Borough Council is cancelling the annual display at Pope's Meadow in the town. Well, Hayley Madden is the Senior Display Officer for Fantastic Fireworks Limited in Pepperstock Green. Morning, Hayley. Good morning. Hayley, how many fireworks are there in, in the typical local authority display and how much does it cost? Well, uh... Public displays sort of range anything from sort of £3,000 way up to tens of thousands of pounds, depending on, obviously, the size of the event. What type of events does your company provide fireworks for? Uh, We do, you know, public council displays right down to sort of private parties and weddings. And for a big firework display like the one in Luton, what are the requirements for it? Well, I would say you need... The first thing you need is a suitably large site for a display like th- of that size. Um, and that's kind of it. Once you've got a suitable site, you're away. And uh, everything else can, can just fit in with that. Now, this event in Luton has been cancelled, I would imagine, because of... Uh, to try and save a few quid. Does that surprise you? Is that happening more and more? Unfortunately, it does seem to be happening a bit more. Um, you know, obviously, I can't comment on the council's decision to cancel the event it's a big shame though um 
But certainly we have found that over the last couple of years, hit a bit by the recession, that this does seem to be happening to more and more council events. Lots of, um, some of these events are sponsored by companies, aren't they? Is that that becoming more popular? Yes, absolutely. Um, That does seem to be the route that more and more people are trying to take to secure the sponsorship first to fund the event. Now listen, I I don't want to knock your company in any way whatsoever, (laughs) but aren't fireworks a big waste of money? Not at all. 35 grand just to go, ooh! Oh. <laughs> no, absolutely not, absolutely not. It's one of the few traditions that we have in this country, and I think it's up- important to uphold that. It's um, a wonderfully f- family event where, you know, you can... One of the few places where you can take your kids and go all together and everybody enjoys it. I do look like a good... I'm very lucky. Yeah. My, my in-laws uh, live... Um, their back garden backs onto Legoland in Windsor. Oh, excellent. And so every, every November, we just go and stand in their back garden and get one of the best firework displays for absolutely free. It's wonderful. Oh, there you go. You just said it yourself. Yeah, Who you're doesn't right. like fireworks? You're right. <laughs> they, they, are, they are a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and uh, Have you got a, bit, a busy year coming up? Are you, are you kind of booked up for November already? <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, wow. we are. It's um, obviously the 5th of November. And the Saturday closest to it is always very busy for us. Yeah. Always. Hayley, listen, I appreciate you coming on this morning. Thank you very much. That's Hayley Madden, the Senior Display Officer for Fantastic Fireworks Limited in Pepperstock Green. I do like a good firework display. I, I, I do always think, and this comes from my mum, it's a lot of money for what it is, isn't it? But it is fantastic. Well, as you've heard, that one of the biggest firework displays in the three counties won't go ahead this year. Luton Borough Council is cancelling the Pope's Meadow display. Are you going to miss it? Are you disappointed to hear that? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. We're, there's, someone's changed something. Uh, it, very boring, very geeky, very radio. Something's changed something on my desk here, which means I sound a little bit odd. It may sound good to you, but it sounds a little bit odd to me. So I put a little bit of echo on my voice. I hope, I hope it doesn't disturb you too much. Let's go to Steve in Luton. Morning, Steve. Hello, morning. Steve, the, the, the Luton fireworks display cancelled. Gutted. Not Re- happy. Really? Why? I like the old fireworks. It's tradition, isn't it? The kids go out. It's a night out, isn't it? For the parents and the family. Freezing cold, but there you go. It's part of life, isn't that, it? Well, that is part of the fireworks. You stand there, freezing cold. Everyone's a little bit miserable. Uh, you, well, you can't exactly. get anything to it. You can't stand where you want to stand. But it's a good tradition. Yeah, of course it is. At the end of the day, why not? Guy, Fo- Guy Fawkes... Guy Fawkes <laughs> was doing what people probably want to do to Parliament today anyway. <laughs> anyway, the council, if the council workers cut their wages, we could probably afford the 50 grand anyway. The money do, they're on. Do you know what? Could win- you, don't, you don't make a bad point there, Steve. If they all took yeah. a little uh, little dip in their pay and, yeah, and club together, they could probably finance this. Oh, of course they could. I resent paying for their wages. I resent paying for their pensions for when they leave office. They don't pay for their own pension, do they? They don't pay for their food. We're paying for everything. While they're on the council, Stephen, can I just <laughs> just clarify for legal reasons? You're not your, your earlier comment about Guido Fawkes. You're not intending to blow up Luton Borough <laughs> Council, are you? Are you? No, 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 I said that's how people feel. Okay, Stephen, lovely <laughs> to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Well, Steve's gutted about the fireworks. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want uh, to give us a call about that. Listen. Jonathan Vernon Smith, he does he does an adequate job, okay, and I've I've enjoyed his show from time to time. On occasion, I found his big question quite interesting. He's asking about the EDL the other day. Uh, he asks about guns, about tasers. Brilliant, well done, all well and good. The thing I've noticed though, he doesn't ask the questions that people really want to be asked. 
So today we're asking our own big question on this show. What have you left on the roof of your car? No, no, we've all done it. We've all been in the car and gone, where's my watch? Oh, no. Or someone's flashing you. What are they flashing me for? And then you get out and you've left. uh, But the reason is, the reason we're talking about this is the other day, um, I left a banana on the roof of the car. We drove about 10 miles. We got out. The banana was still there. We all chomped down on banana. It was wonderful. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about um, asking people what they've left on the roof of their cars. There are some amazing stories coming up about what people have left on the roof of their cars. If you want to take part, and I know you do, this is, listen, the phone lines are going to get very, very busy on this, so I suggest you call in now and book your place. What have you left on the roof of your car? 08459 455 555. Uh, you can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. You can also go to the Facebook page, where I believe a cheeky little video of Justin Dealey and myself climbing up uh, onto the roof of a BBC Three Counties car. Don't tell our boss. Don't tell our boss. Uh, has been placed. OK, well, with the excitement and bated breath, I'm about to press the play button. We're about to hear the new song from Fleetwood Mac. Well, I wonder if it's any good or a bit rubbish. Sad Angel, Fleetwood Mac. Well, there we go. That's the new Fleetwood Mac song. It's Buckingham Heavy. I like that. We'll get the uh, the view of uh, Catherine Boyle a little bit later on in the show, but I thought that was cracking. Dealey, did you like that? Mm, okay, a bit of a grower, I'd say. <laughs> not a hype. Well, it's not, sorry, it's not, not growing a... very much on you, is it? No, well, it might do after, what, the second or third play. It's, it's, it's a grower. A lot of hype around this record, but um, give me seven days on that one. So you, th- you think it needs another, another listen and you might like it? I think so. Not okay. now, though, please. Well, here not we now. go. <laughs> Here's the new one from Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I'm getting it now. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Probably what six out of ten. Oh, you are such a really. You present, I believe, a music show on BBC Three Counties. I do, so I clearly know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's right. Now, listen. The reason we've got you up bright and early is because. Well, this is a very interesting conversation we had the other day where I uh, uh, told everyone I'd left a banana on the roof of my car mm. and it stayed there for the whole 10-mile journey. And we, <laughs> we all chomped down on a lovely banana when we got out. Yes. Uh, and then you said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, our girls, <laughs> our girls, yeah, oh, I believe it, my Sharona. Oh, girls, I left a watch on the roof of my car. Oh, no, it got better than that. It got better than that. I've got an iPhone, and I probably get through about, what, five phones a year. So I've got one of these uh, Griffin cases on this iPhone. How do you get through five phones a year? I lose them. My last phone I had, I I, I left cough medicine in my bag, and it got surrounded by cough medicine. I couldn't (laughs) speak into the phone. I couldn't hear anything. It got surrounded by cough medicine. Yeah, I know. It came out of the bag. I I lost one last year at the torch relay. I lose phones. So somebody gave me a Griffin in case so this basically can be chucked on a floor and this phone will not break but what it also does is gives you a bit of a grip so about three months ago i couldn't find my iphone and i was looking around for it frankly where is my iphone can't find it it's cost a lot of money it's gonna cost me a fortune to get another one well as it turns out it was on the roof of my car i'd driven from Luton to dunstable and back and there it was still on the roof of my car fantastic. i couldn't believe it fantastic well then we were kind of thinking well there might be something in this everyone 
has left something on the roof of the, their car. Yeah. And we said, well, Justin, go out, see if you can find some people. It might be a bit tricky, but see what you can get. <laughs> I believe you've got gold, haven't you? Uh, yeah, apparently so. I mean, I couldn't believe this. People had the time again to stand and talk to me about what they had left on the roof of their car. I was in Toddington yesterday. I was putting this question to people, some fascinating stories. This is what people had to say. My girlfriend told me that her uncle left the baby on top of her car roof and he went to drive off and almost almost knocked the baby off. So did he actually drive off then? He drove for a good couple of yards, yeah. <laughs> and then stopped and thought, where's the baby? Yeah, pretty much. So the baby was safe in the end? The baby was safe in the end. Won't we doing that again, will we? Um, hopefully not. Pete, what have you left on the roof of your car then? Uh, I left my workbook from my site meeting notes on the top of my car in Liverpool, drove off and I'd had it for three years and I lost all my notes and everything. So you were gutted? I was really gutted, yeah. Yeah, I was very gutted. <laughs> now, Sean, you're clever. You've never left anything on the roof of your car, but a friend of yours has. Can you tell us more about that? It was at a petrol station. It filled up, got the cash out of the bag to go and pay for it, and left the bag on the roof of the car and drove away. So we left a bag of cash on the roof of the car. Yep. And how much are we talking about here? About £1,000. No. This was about ten years ago, so it's quite a bit of money back then. You lost a thousand pounds. Yeah, you lost a thousand pound. Do people still talk about it today? Oh, he still does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's an orphaner, so yeah. yeah. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? Well, I've never heard anything like that. A grand. Yeah, thousand pound. Only a Costa coffee. Yeah, I drove off, and then I'd had a few drinks out of it. Yeah. Put it on the roof, and then got in, got uh, the other people in the car, and it wasn't until I was going through the exit that I really. Realised it went all over the road. So I s- <laughs> had the pleasure of seeing it in the uh, side mirror. A thousand pounds. Yeah, beat that one. That is radio gold. <laughs> uh, the big question of the day: What have you left on your roof? A thousand pounds. Yeah, apparently a thousand pounds. Can you believe that? What a muppet. Amazing. And uh, and the babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. It, I can see how that can be done because quite often, I think this is a bloke thing. If you've got the baby in a car seat. And you, you're trying to open doors and stuff. I quite often put the car... Not now, my kid's too big. But put the car seat on the roof uh, while I'm fiddling with stuff. And then I will put the car seat in. But I, yeah. I, I, can, I can imagine someone driving But you won't get off. in the car, though, and drive off, surely. Well, you you might think, where's the baby for a second? Oh, on the roof, OK. You wouldn't drive off with the baby on the roof, would you? Well, I don't know. Hang on a second. De- Dean, you're on the line. Morning, Dean. Yeah, I've done exactly that. What, the baby thing? Yeah, my daughter was in one of these ones where you've got the two bungee straps either side. Yeah. Left her on the roof of the car, drove about half a mile down the road, stopped at the local shop, um, got out of the car, realised what I'd done. So I picked her up off the roof, took her in the shop, got the paper and whatever I was buying, come back out, went and strapped her in the back of the car, and the, uh, well, I would have had it to the ex, said to me, I didn't see you take her out of the car. <laughs> went... Yeah, I did. Honest. <laughs> oh. We can laugh about luckily, it now. Luckily, it was um, it was one of, it was one of the old um, uh, auction um, Volvo cars, estates. Right. It had the roof bars and roof rails on. So oh, that's very lucky. Actually, yeah. She didn't actually fall off the back. No, no, um, no. That's lucky. Yeah, yeah. And if social, Dean, have social services been in touch <laughs> or anything? <laughs> Uh, no, because no one ever really found out about it. And I can only repeat it now that I'm uh, I'm no longer with her. <laughs> oh no! Uh, and did you when you got out of the car and you saw the baby there? How old was the baby? Uh, she would have been about eight weeks. Oh no! 
You're, you're worse than that woman who flushed her, toi- her baby down the toilet in China, you are. <laughs> when, oh, probably. When you got out and saw it, d- d- describe how you felt. Um, how am I going to explain this one? <laughs> Such a bloke response. Dean, thank you very much indeed. I, I do worry, Justin, we may have peaked too early on this. I think so. I mean, who would have thought we'd get a call like that? It was just a random conversation. Um, so far we've had babies, so two babies now, cash, a book, and the stereotypical coffee cup. We've, we've all we left coffees on there. I've left a phone, I've left yeah. a Blackberry, lost a Blackberry on the roof of a car once. So, Blackberries as well, but yeah, I mean, amazing. People leaving all sorts on the roof of their car. It's the big phone in between now and nine. If, if, I tell you what, if JVS doesn't pick, pick this up and run with it at nine o'clock, <laughs> then he really doesn't know what he's do- talking about, does he? No, he doesn't. Justin, thank you very much, mate. Speak to you later on. Who would have thunk it? All right, we've had two babies left on the roof of cars. It's the big question of the day. What have you left on the roof of your car? 08459 455 555. If you want to see a photograph of Justin and myself on the roof of a car, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I think anything I've left on the roof of a car is going to pale in comparison now, but... I have at once left McDonald's on the roof of a car after I'd bought it and was quite disappointed when I got home to find that it was gone, but there we go. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed, and I hope you did get a meal that night. Very disappointing otherwise. What have you left on the roof of your car? And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. Okay, we heard it. We heard the new Fleetwood Mac song, Sad Angel. Mm -hmm. Catherine Boyle, uh, you're of a similar age to Nanny Eileen, so... (laughs) Right, yes. Yeah, so, what did you think? I loved it. It was pared down. I would have liked it slightly more bassy. Yeah. I do prefer a bit more of a lush Fleetwood Mac sound, a bit yeah. more harmony, a bit thicker, but I liked it. It was, it was uh, Lindsay Buckingham heavy as opposed oh, yeah. to Nick's Lights, which is what I'm, I'm into that kind of vibe. Well, I think that they're more... I kind of see where, where uh, Justin came from with, with, with the grower. Oh, Justin... I always, they always grow me Buckingham ones, whereas yeah. Nick's ones are immediately... You get the gratification immediately, and then you go off them a bit. Permission to speak freely. Go on. Justin Daly's an idiot. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you heard the new Fleetwood Max on, you can send us your opinion of it. Why not? 81333, start your text 3CR. Coming up, what have you left on the roof of your car? Uh, Food banks and the latest on the uh, Woolwich situation from last week. 08459 555. Now, more than half a million people in the UK can't feed themselves or their families. That's according to a new report by Oxfam and Church Against... Uh, sorry, Church Action Against Poverty. They're calling for a parliamentary inquiry into whether this has anything to do with the changes to the welfare reform. The Trussell Trust... The biggest provider of food banks in the UK says more than 350,000 people have used their food banks in the last year, almost triple the number from the previous year. Well, our reporter Sophie Solaria has been to a food bank in Milton Keynes and talked to some of the people using the service. There's usually some tuna in the bag, so people are glad of the mayonnaise. Can I just ask you why you've had to come today? Yeah, because the benefit change over the stock benefit tried to take you off on one benefit, put you on another, so they put your benefit on hold till it's all sorted out it's ridiculous how many people have you got to feed at home four two adults two children yeah what would you have done if if you didn't get this today i don't know um my family doesn't really live here so it's very very hard i've had to ask for a food parcel because i don't know if i'm going to be paid my doll money on monday the thing about it is 142 pound a fortnight to live on 
you just don't have enough money to live nowadays. I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do because I've got no gas, no electric, no food. So when it comes to eating, that's one of the last priorities. You've just listed all those things on top. You mentioned food last. Yeah, I've got two kids. So I have to provide food for them and with the little bit of money that I have left over of my doll money... I buy them food and provide for them and go without myself. Well, Chris Jones is director of UK Poverty for Oxfam, who co-wrote this report. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Chris. What were the main findings in the report? Well, to be honest, the main the main findings were very similar to the ones your reporter found in Milton Keynes. That there's um, a growing number of people whose incomes are squeezed so far, and uh, whether their incomes from low wages or from benefits, that they can't afford to feed their families. They've got rising pressures from fuel prices, from housing prices, and and food is one of the things that particularly parents are, uh, are putting are putting last, and it's causing huge it's huge problems. And is this the the, the uh, fault of welfare reforms? W- well, there are a number of factors behind this. Um, welfare reforms are one of them, but we we've. We've got the fact that food, food prices are rising far high, higher than inflation. Fuel prices are going up fast. Um, wages have, have been stagnant um, for many people for a long time now, and that's really catching up. Um, and it's not just welfare changes. One of the interesting things the report finds is it's delays in the system. It's people not being paid their money on time. And as the lady said in the report, it's you change from one benefit to another, and your benefit gets stopped for several weeks. And how are people supposed to cope then? It's not as though they're not eligible for it. They're not just being paid because of the inefficiencies. And that's one of the reasons why we're calling for the inquiry. It's not just the case that government policy has made things worse, although we fear that will be the case from this year onwards. But it's the fact that the inefficiencies in the system aren't paying people what they should be getting on time. How do food banks help? Food banks provide a vital lifeline for people. As you, as you, as you heard in your report, the, what people can do is they can get um, a flexible, bureaucracy-free um, bit, of, bit of support from, from very helpful, friendly local volunteers who, who can tide them over. But they're not a long-term solution. Obviously, food, food banks don't pay the fuel bills um, and food, food banks don't keep you going in the long term. But when you've got a short-term crisis, they're a fantastic source of support. Is part of the responsibility and the fault on, on the people th- themselves? Uh, we, we don't always get our priorities right, do we? I remember when we were talking about the, the, in inverted commas, bedroom tax, and a woman phoned up and said, oh, I can't afford it. I'm, I'm going to be forced to do whatever to earn this money. Yet she had Sky Television, she smoked, she had a mobile phone. Do we get our priorities right? Well, I think when, when you listen to the, um, the the people in your report, it's difficult to think that um, the, the gentleman who talked about paying his fuel bill first and then feeding his children had got his priorities wrong. He was just he was bottom of he was bottom of the list in his own mind, and that unfortunately made made sense. And many people who've got luxuries often bought those luxuries when they were in work, and in the sense they're not paying extra money for them now. Um, and actually, for, for many people, mobile, uh, unless you're an older generation, mobile phones are, are, are an easier, cheaper way of making communication. So it's not surprising that people have got those now because it's the easiest way to get around. And people do have to budget carefully. And our experience is that people do budget really, really carefully um, and are buying cheaper food, actually going, going, off more expen- going off more expensive things quite easily, dropping eating meat and so on, but still they haven't got enough to get by. What would you like to see happen, Chris? Well, we, we, we're asking for, for, for two, for two th- main things here. First of all, is the government to actually get to the bottom of what the causes of the problem are, because it's getting bigger and it's likely t- to keep on increasing, which is why we're calling for the inquiry. Um, we're, we're really pleased in the meantime the government has said they're not going to make further welfare changes in, in the short term, because we think it's time now to stop.
stop and have a look at what's going on. But in the medium term, we also um, want George Osborne and David Cameron to look at the work they're doing internationally on things like tax avoidance and tax evasion and actually look, look at the benefits that can bring to the UK as well um, because that could actually bring in the, mo- the, the money to make sure that people are getting enough to support them on, on low incomes um, without having to undermine their deficit reduction strategy. Chris, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. That was Chris Jones, Director of UK Poverty for Oxfam. Uh, the government say the benefit system supports millions of people who are on low incomes or unemployed, so no one has to struggle to meet their basic needs. Well, could you give me a call? If you've had to use a food bank, I can't even imagine what, what, what that's like. I'd love to know exactly how it works. Do you get recommended? Do you get a voucher? you just turn up and say, I'm hungry? If you use a food bank, or if you're struggling to buy food for your family... Oh, I've had a great um, email. Who sent me this email? Let's, uh, let's give him credit where it's due. Steve. He sent me a link to a BBC Northampton story from last year. Subject of what have you left on the roof of your car? Northamptonshire police leaves bullets on car roof. <laughs> bullets! Northamptonshire police lost a box of bullets when it was left on the roof of one of their cars while responding to an emergency. Bullets! The police! Bullets! Frank on Facebook. Frank, very rude of you there, Frank. Not quite got the hang of this dogging lark, have you, chaps? Um, (laughs) There's a picture of Justin and myself on the roof of uh, one of the BBC Three Counties vehicles. Please don't tell my boss, otherwise there will be hell to play. Uh, 08459 455 555. And Zoe, with two dots on the E from Stopsley, says, I have a keyless entry and start on my little Corsa. Sorry? And left my key and McDonald's on the roof. The car engine never stopped. I only got out because my Mackie D was missing and was so surprised to see a matchbox-sized key on it after six miles on an M1. A car that starts without a key? But are we living in the future or something? How is that even possible? And we played the new Fleetwood Mac song earlier on. Nick says... I def didn't like the new Fleetwood Mac single. Sounded very amateurish, like some local group playing in a pub on a talent night. Well, very, very rude. Let's get the latest weather with part-time weather girl, Elizabeth Rosini. BBC Three Counties Radio. Part-time. Hardly ever see you, Elizabeth. Well, I've been training. I've been training About time. in a green room. Well, <laughs> well done. In a green room to do my new TV weather report. Oh, you're going to be on the telly. Yeah, apparently, sir. Oh, can I have your autograph, yeah. please, miss? <laughs> Only if you're lucky. Anyway, do you want some weather? Um, uh, well, y- you're yeah, here. Go on. You're here, it's we might as well. It's, it's quite wet underfoot, so you want to watch out for the puddles, particularly you in this morning. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. The Luton firework display has been cancelled. Did you not know? Oh, it's not happening this year. 81333. Text in 3CR. Let me know your thoughts on that. Anna in Luton... Oh, sorry, Anne in Luton says, Ian, it'll be a big shame not to have the fireworks in Luton this year. I've lived here for 30 years, and when we first moved here, the display was held at the cricket ground, and we had to buy tickets. If the council can't afford to fund the event anymore, why don't they have a ticketed event from now on? I, I quite like Jamie Cullum. He's a nice lad. I've met him a few times. He's tiny, he's wee, but he's a nice lad. Um, food banks, the, uh, they're on the increase, the usage thereof. Have you used a food bank? Zoe has texted in. My benefits got changed over. For nine weeks, I had no money. Nine weeks, wow. Before March, you used to be able to get an emergency crisis loan of 0% from the job centre, but the government has stopped this scheme. Why? Why do you think, Zoe? Why do you think? 
08459 555. Well, we can bring you more details now on the news uh, from overnight that a man has been charged with the suspected murder of drummer Lee Rigby in Woolwich. 22-year-old Michael Adebowale has, was taken into police custody yesterday after being discharged from hospital. Well, our reporter Gavin Lee joins me now. Gavin, what's expected to happen today? Morning, Ian. Well, he will appear in court, uh, in Magistrates Court in Westminster, 10 o'clock this morning. And um, the police have said, if you, well, in fact, they've said all along, as well as the CPS, the Crown Prosecution Service, that they wouldn't be charging either of the two suspects until they're both treated in hospital. So, um, in the case of 22-year-old Michael Adebowale, he was released from police custody, well, sorry, released into police custody from hospital on Tuesday after being there for six days. So, we know, he's been charged with two things, one count of murder and also one count of possession of a firearm, a revolver that was found at the scene. So, that's what charges he'll face when he's in court. The other suspect, Michael Adebowale, the 28-year-old, he's still in hospital. Police have said he's not in a condition where they can interview him at length yet. They're waiting for his condition to stabilise. And, of course, in the meantime, the investigation goes on. A number of people have since been arrested by police in connection with the attack. Most of those now, Ian, though, have been released on bail. I saw lots of footage on the news last night of, of the police in Woolwich handing out flyers and leaflets and appealing for witnesses. Yeah. Which is, when you think about the amount of material, you know, with mobile phones, that the footage that had been uploaded onto the internet is quite incredible, actually, a week on. And they will be in, in Woolwich in huge numbers again today. Um, part of that is two police officers told us last night that they're looking for a spark of memory. Someone who's perhaps seen something but hasn't called the police yet uh, may have some mobile footage. Another officer said it could be that last piece of the jigsaw. So they still want to pe- uh, speak to people. And they were capitalising yesterday on the fact that there was a minute silence there were so many local soldiers, friends, family who'd gathered at the same time that Lee Rigby was killed exactly a week on that they wanted to um, to get a sense of, of what more information they could get. So as I say, they'll be there all day today. Last night as well, we had more information um, in terms of a statement from um, Lee R- Rigby's fiancée, Amy West, which simply read, I'm devastated by the loss of Lee. He was a loving fiancée. I'm extremely proud of him and I'm moved by all the flowers and tributes. Just to briefly add as well, Ian, just to see the site, you've probably seen some of the TV pictures, but to be there and, and see how breathtaking it is now it's grown these hundreds of flowers flags tributes that mark the place and there are so many pictures now of lee in much happier times that have been added to the tributes all over the walls from his friends and the, you mentioned the minute silence very touching I, again i saw this on the news last night that the cars stopped and yeah. uh, the, the people were in tears it's very powerful it was incredibly powerful and it, it, you know there were so many people who had I mean, this is the thing about it, who thought they would go to the site, although there wasn't anything particularly organised. You know, the police hadn't sent out a message and the family hadn't. There's a few mentions on on Twitter and Facebook that that people should gather, but largely it was quite a spontaneous gathering of people who wanted to come exactly a week on. And the family said they were absolutely um, proud that so many people felt so moved to be there and stand side by side with them. Gavin Lee, thanks very much indeed. Some of you aren't taking this what have you left on the roof of your car seriously. Julie Morris-Smith, nothing that I can remember, but if you two handsome boys, me and Dealey, want to come and pose on the roof of my truck, we're not pieces of meat, Julie, we're human beings. Shame on you for viewing us like that. Disgusting. Why? Morning, it's Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm feeling slightly mischievous. Mischievous? Mischievous. Is there an eye in there? I don't know. Either way, I'm feeling it. I think it's partly because the weather is so flipping miserable. I hope you enjoyed your summer last week. Wasn't that nice? Be winter soon. Oh, yeah. 
is this even possible? Rain? What are we? It's, it's the where are we? The thirtieth of May. It's virtually June. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including one of the biggest events in the three counties has been cancelled. Will you miss the Luton fireworks display this year? More than half a million people in the UK can't feed themselves or their families. What foods can't you afford anymore? And on a side note, when was the last time you had a Sunday roast? And jog on, JVS. Today, I am asking the big question that you wouldn't dare ask. What have you left on the roof of your car? If he doesn't pick this up at nine o'clock and run with it, seriously, that man should have his Silver Sony Award taken away from him. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you think that what have you left on the roof of your car topic is a non-starter, well, so far, we've had £1,000 and two babies. So, there. Now, one of the biggest firework displays in the three counties won't go ahead this year because there's no money to fund it. Luton Borough Council is cancelling the annual display at Pope's Meadow in the town. Well, Keith Emmett Jr. is from Keith Emmett & Sons, which runs the annual Milton Keynes firework display in Campbell Park. Morning, Keith. Morning. How does the Milton Keynes firework display work? Is it funded by companies, the council, or is it ticketed? Well, it's actually funded by my father, which is Keith Emmett Sr., and in the last for, for the last 30 years we've funded it. It's been going for 40 years. And the last three years, me and my brother... Thomas have um, taken on the role of doing this. When, why, did, why did your dad start it? Well, it was originally started by a guy called Todd Cody, and he had something else to do, and after 10 years, he handed it over to my father. And we've been in the fairground industry for many, many years, and we took it over from there. Because we think Milton Keynes has obviously been a great place, and it's always been a great firework display from the beginning, from when it started. But obviously it has its downsides too, like everything else. Um, we get great support from basically showmen all over the country, as far as Scotland, you know, all over that come and support us this event, and that makes it a little bit easier. How do you pay for it, Keith? Because fireworks aren't cheap. Where does the money come from? Well, what happens in our situation, we run 11-day fair... And we have people that come in with rides that help us support the uh, event, which I must say that it never we never make any money. We always lose money. In the last four or five years, we've had to put quite a bit of money towards it because fireworks are going up, health and safety goes up, security on the night. And obviously, our event at Milton Keynes is a free event. So, so how, much, you know, how much money on an average year would you lose? What would we lose on an average year? We yeah. would probably we would probably lose about uh, between ten and fifteen thousand. Um, some years we make it up. It just depends. Obviously, if the weather's good, if we get the support on the night from the people, this helps. It's very important to have it on the right night and not the worst night, you know. Because um, 
it's all about weather too. Yeah. And we, we do get tremendous help from the police. That helps us tremendously. We get good help from the council, um, not as a money way, but as a volunteer way to help us um, in time, that putting everything together. And road closures, you know, we used to have to pay for this. Now we get help. Um, they do it themselves for us. And little things like that, like we got advertising last year from a radio station was a great help. Um, we didn't have to pay for that. So different things. If everybody come together, you there is ways and means of putting a firework display on, and it can work. Does the Luton Borough Council decision to cancel surprise you? It doesn't surprise me, because to be quite truthful, I don't believe that my father has ever had any money from anybody in Milton Keynes to put a firework display on. Mm. We even have a job sometimes to get some rubbish bins. You're on your own. I mean, even if we do damage to the park, we have to pay for it, which we did last year. You know, there's very little money around anywhere to get any help. There really is. It's very, very hard. Well, Keith, you never know. The cancellation of the Luton firework display might might work in your favour. You might get a few more punters along. Keith, thank you very much indeed. That's Keith Emmett Jr. uh, from Keith Emmett and Sons, which runs the Milton Keynes firework display. In, uh, uh, in Campbell Park. Well, Neil Tobin is the director of the National Campaign for Firework Safety. Uh, th- sorry, is it Neil? Uh, no, I do apologise. No, I said no. no, I do apologise. No, yeah. yes. Uh, I'd imagine you'd be quite concerned about the cancellation of official fireworks displays like the one in Luton. Oh, yes, I am. I'm very concerned because it's been getting more like this for the past few years. But particularly, of course, since the Cameron's austerity programme came in, when everything is cut, uh, is cut back and, of course... Uh, the entertainment budget, particularly, has been cut back, but there still is an entertainment budget to draw from. But when we came in in November 1969, there was complete madness with fireworks and a range of dangerous fireworks available. We dealt with that and got local councils to bring in professional firework displays. It took a, it took a few years, but that, in fact it actually happened. And we've had hundreds of firework displays all over the country since and a training scheme for people who are interested in becoming pyrotechnists. But it's, you know, it's not going to, it's, it's, it's going to get worse, not better. And, uh, what are you worried? I've I, I worked in the arts all my life, and we, we had to go to benefactors, patrons, to get our money, you know. What, what are you worried could happen with, with the, the cancellation of more and more of these um, the, the organised events? Well, what's going to happen is there's going to be thousands, thousands more kids injured by fireworks. This is what was happening when we came in first in November 69. Thousands of kids used to go to hospital and sustained the most terrible injuries from fireworks. You know, we got the laws changed in 2004 and five on many aspects of fireworks. And, uh, you know, we, we rolled right, that right back in fact, and made things better. Otherwise, uh, what will happen now, of course, there'll be a few private firework displays where you pay big bucks at the door, you know, and families particularly who can't afford this. So that you'll get less less and less of firework displays. Should local authorities be looking to find sponsors for these, these big local events? I don't know, really. I mean, councils used to pay for these themselves, particularly in London, you know. We all, all the councils had big firework displays every year. But uh, that, that's one aspect of it. I say, I worked in the arts all my life. That's what we did. Mm. We used to get benefactors to, to put up some money, you know, so we could keep things going. And I think that, that, that's what's going to happen more and more with 
local councils. They'll have to go to patrons and benefactors to get the money if they want to continue putting on firework displays. Noel, I appreciate your time this morning. It's Noel Tobin, uh, Director of the National Campaign for Firework Safety. Why are we talking about this? Well, because Luton Borough Council has cancelled the annual display at Pope's Meadow this year. Well, Justin Dealey, wh- whereabouts are you, Justin? Are you in Luton? Yeah, I'm in Luton. I mean, most people, to be fair, I mean, I know, I know it's early in the morning, but uh, the people I've been talking to couldn't care less. They say to me, it's a waste of money. It's never been any good, which I think is very harsh, actually, because I have been to this firework display in the past and it's been excellent but um, I did speak to this lady a moment ago and this is what she had to say. Um, I'm pretty sure my because my friends go to it and I'm pretty sure they'll be devastated if they you know that is being cancelled. I don't normally go for it but I have friends that do go for it mm. and and they clearly really enjoy it. If yeah, you're telling me that they'll yeah. be devastated, they must yeah. have a fantastic time. Yeah, exactly. They do tell me how they enjoy it every now and then when they go. Mm. So... Uh, and they take the whole family, they take the kids yeah, with them, it's the a real kids, family night family out. family and, you know, their friends as well, so, yeah, it's really bad. So she reckons her friends will be devastated, but um, as I say, Ian, I have been to it before, it is um, a good event as far as I'm concerned, um, so many families go out and enjoy themselves, so there will be people clearly who will be very upset about this. I like a good fireworks display, but, but, but... They are a waste of money, aren't they? You're you're watching thousands of pounds disappear in a few minutes. You are. You are indeed. But then again, as your previous guest said there, if if there's not these displays out there for people, people will, of course, go and buy them themselves, that that they're not trained and they'll be in their back gardens, and we could see, you know, people injured because of uh, fireworks in their back gardens. So there's two sides to every story. Here's the thing, Justin. I have never lit a firework in my life. That's probably uh, wise. I'd love to. Have you ever done it? <laughs> yes, many, many years I ago. I bet you have. I bet you have, um, you naughty boy. But, um, yeah, years ago, but but certainly not now, because I, I like going to these firework displays, because I know that I'm going to watch something spectacular, and I'm going to be safe as well. That's why I like to go to them, and I do go to a firework display every single year. You don't want to uh, injure the face, do you? No. Got to keep the face protected. Yeah, the face. Justin yes. Dilly. Th- well, listen, we're going to be speaking a little bit later on. We're talking about food banks, and we've kind of, we're going to spread it out a bit and ask people what food they can't afford. You had an interesting one yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, steak. I probably tend to have steak now. I used to have it, what, probably twice a week. What? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Twice a week? Yeah, I used to love steak, but now I'll probably have steak, what, uh, once a month? Because the price of it is just incredible. You go into these supermarkets now, and the steak they've got is security protected. Well, it's got a tag on? It's got a tag. Really? Some of the steaks have got tags on. It's got that expensive that, that people clearly are trying to steal it. So, yeah, going back a few years ago and have steak quite often now it's probably once a month um, if i'm lucky and when was the last time you had a family roast family roast that would have been probably two weekends ago i try to do that as often as i can um i like to have a, a family roast with my mum and dad but yeah probably about two weeks ago for that okay justin thank you very much indeed but i've, I've not had a roast this i don't i've not had a roast this year i don't think which is awful I might do one. Well, maybe I would listen. It's my birthday next weekend. I might treat myself to a Sunday roast. That's how old I am. The thought of a, of a roast on my birthday is more exciting than going out and getting trashed. Uh, two questions. When did you last have a roast? And what food can't you afford to buy anymore? 08459 555. On the subject of the fireworks, we did ask Luton Borough Council to provide a guest today. Basically, they said no. To be honest, they said there was no one available to brief councillors from the ruling Labour group on this, and therefore they wouldn't be able to cut... But no, is what they said. No, we're not coming on. But what do you think? You disappointed the Luton firework display has ended? These things... I mean, community things, I think, are very important for for people to gather and celebrate and and, and be part of things. But 
Fireworks are a waste of money, aren't they? I mean, I enjoy them, but I, I wouldn't spend money on fireworks. As I say, my, my in-laws, the, they, their house backs onto Legoland in Windsor. So every November, for I think it's three Saturdays in a row, we go and stand in their garden and watch one of the most amazing firework displays in the country for free. On the subject of uh, fireworks, Dave says, In Bedford, we have to pay for our display at Bedford Rugby Club, so why should Luton get theirs free? You can uh, text in about that. And the big question of the day, and this really is the big question of the day, what have you left on the roof of your car? Mark Hampson says, My mum left her handbag on the top of her car and travelled from Northampton back to Hanslope. It was still there. Oh, well done. Uh, Liz uh, Miller says, The first time I ever filled up a car with petrol, I drove off after paying. Just as I was waiting to pull out of the petrol station, someone ran up and uh, tapped on my window. I'd left the petrol cap on the roof. We've all done that. I don't think you can anymore. The petrol cap's kind of attached to the car on most cars. And Phil Doran says, a cup of coffee. Lots of cups of tea and coffee have been left on roofs of cars. I think I've done that. 08459 455555. Now, are you one of the grandparents in the three counties that are giving up your time to look after your grandchildren? Well, with the childcare that you provide, you're now worth £7.3 billion. That's nationally. It's not you specifically. Calm down. The charities Age UK and Grandparents Plus say Granny and Grandpa are saving a lot of family, a lot of money for families, squeezed by falling incomes and rising childcare costs. Well, Colette McKeveney is the Director of Age Concern Luton. Good morning, Colette. Morning, Ian. Is the important role being played by grandparents in terms of childcare something you've noticed locally? We certainly have. I would definitely say that um, in the 20 years I've been at Age Concern, uh, we have seen families basically supported by older people within the families, both financially and practically, uh, more and more over the last couple of decades. So it's a growing trend. Is it a bad thing? Because this is how things used to be. No, I think in, in many ways it's a very good thing. But the pressures are different now. Um, over the past couple of decades, people often retired about 60. Um, they were fit and well when they retired. They had a bit of time in their hands, time for themselves and time to support their families. So it's a very different uh, situation to what we're seeing emerging at the moment. Why are people relying on grandparents so much to help out? Lots of reasons. I mean, there's much more awareness about um, safe childcare and who would you trust better than your own mum or dad in most cases. Um, People are worried about giving their children out to other people, even if they're regulated nurseries. Um, You know, you don't know everybody that's working there. There is a degree of anxiety. And, uh, and of course, the cost is really expensive. There may be uh, vouchers, initiatives and support for some families, but uh, it's not unusual to find that if you have one child or even two children in daycare, that uh, that wipes out one of your salaries. We um, we were leaving uh, our eldest son with his grandparents today, mm. and they love it. And, they, and we don't do it too much. We're not doing it every day. It's just today, for some reason, my wife and I both have to disappear. Uh, and it is a nice thing, isn't it, for, for the grandparents and for the kids as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know nobody loves your kids, generally speaking, as um, you know as much as you and your and your parents. You know, they, they are the apple of their eye. There's no two ways about it. From the grandparents' perspective, it's a really positive thing to be able to get to spend that time. Perhaps when you know their own children were little, they didn't have the experience or money or you know just be relaxed enough to enjoy them in the same way. So grandparents report it as being um, wonderful because they can support their grown-up children. Um, they know 
they're taking a lot of worry off their grown-up children by being there. But equally, uh, it's just lovely to spend the time with, you know, sort of someone who's as close as possible. It is, and I never made, one of my great regrets is I never made enough of my grandparents. They live miles away, and I, 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 you know, I was an idiot, and I I didn't take advantage of them in in the the nicest possible term. So I'm making sure that my kids get to see their grandparents as much as possible, because they're not going to be around forever. And I think that's the most wonderful thing if you realise that, you know, that they you have time is finite and the time you have with the people you love needs to be celebrated and enjoyed. Is there any pressure being put on some grandparents, though? Maybe, maybe they do want to have a quiet afternoon in watching Cash in the Attic and enjoying their, you know, their retirement, but they feel they have to look after the kids to, to, to help out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, there are many grandparents that perhaps are looking after kids a bit more than they'd like because they're so worried about their, their children's finances. And certainly just the other day, we had um, a woman in her mid-70s who's looking after her toddler grandchildren um, because her daughter finds herself unable to sort of support um, the family and actually sort of, uh, you know, pay for childcare. So, so, you know, that's really quite demanding when you're in your 70s. Um, she loves the kids. And it's great to have them, but maybe not, you know, five days a week for lots of hours. Well, my my um, uh, father-in-law is, uh, he's kind of retiring. He's, he's, he's sort of part-time retiring. Uh, and so he's got, he, he doesn't know what to do with himself. So he just keeps taking our eldest out for, on trips and stuff. It's wonderful. He keeps taking him to the London <laughs> Eye or onto trains and stuff. But the, the, my, my son and his grandfather, they're very, very similar. So they just keep mm. arguing all the time. <laughs> and, and so it's a three-year-old arguing with a 64-year-old. And, and the boy will come back and he's have a wonderful time because, oh, grumpy grandpa gr- but it's wonderful and they they both enjoy these kind of winding each other up and stuff and i think that the, the grandchild and grandparent relationship is so important if you could if you can use it yeah definitely i mean i think again at the end of the day my big worry is for the future that with people working longer hours some um, families will be squeezed they won't have the option of turning to grandma granddad because they'll still perhaps be in full-time rather than even part-time employment so so you know to an extent i think um modern ways of living uh have, have problems in terms of uh us, us maybe getting the opportunity to spend time with their grandchildren of course as you say people live around the country but those people who who live near their grandchildren i think they have a fantastic opportunity there to really enjoy Colette, thank you very much indeed. Colette McKeveney, Director of Age Concern Luton. I, I swear my boy goes out with um, his grandfather and they just wind each other up. It's wonderful. They're both irritated. Will you stop doing that? Grandpa, you stop it. It's, it's, it's a joy to see grumpy grandpa. But it's all done with love and it all comes from the right place and it's, it's a great relationship. Shirley's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Shirley. Morning, Ian. What's, what's your story about uh, looking after kids or grandkids? Well, I, my daughter's got twin, grand, twin um, girls, and I sort of had them really right from the start. I looked after them. I mean, they'll be 18 this year. Oh. And I've got a, got a wonderful relationship with them. Did, so um, would you, would, was your daughter uh, working, and that's why you had to look had after to them? She had to go back to work, yeah. yes. Yes, yeah, she had to go back to work because of financial reasons and so i had the i had the girls and it i loved every single minute of now it. now i'm a father i know you're lying you loved every single minute every single minute i loved every minute oh. of having my granddaughters well i've got grandchildren that i don't even see right that don't even recognize i'm on the planet oh and that that, that how hurt. come have you fallen out with excuse oh, me if i'm prying moved, well they moved away with their mum Oh. And um, they, you know, I used to send them money and cards, birthdays, Christmas, and never, 
got any sort of response whatsoever. Oh, that's a shame. And it, it yes, it, I've, I've grown used to it now because it's been years, and I'm actually a great nan, but I've never, ever seen the little one at all. How does that make you feel, Shirley? It hurts. I bet it, it does. It does hurt, but I, I suppose I've accepted it. And I've got young grandchildren as well that I haven't seen for a, a very long time. And, and they live in Milton Keynes as well, and that hurts. How come you've not seen the ones that, that live in the same town as you? Um, well, their mum's a childminder. Um, but I suppose the answer is she doesn't have time to bring them to me. And I can't get there. So it's, you know, it does hurt. It does hurt. That's the saddest thing. I, I did see my grandparents. I, I, I didn't make enough of them. And I kind of... When I got about 15, I fell out with, with my dad's side of the family. I didn't see oh. my... Uh, yeah, I know. And, and one of my biggest regrets is that I, I decided to cut uh, his parents, my, my nan and granddad on my dad's side, out of my life. And it was my decision. Yeah. Worst decision I ever made, Shirley. They're you both dead now, that. and I regret that every single yeah. day. I had a good relation with my um, nan and granddad. Um, but then when my mum and dad moved away, I didn't see them so often because we used to live very near each other when when i was a little girl mm. but um and then you know we moved mum dad moved away um and so i didn't see them so often and and i loved my my um my nan and granddad oh shirley you've got me all tearing up now oh, thinking no, about my nanny peg and my granddad no, jock no but what a silly sausage but my my nan um my dad's mum she came to live with us for a few years yep. and and I did have I've always had a very close relationship with her although her and my mum didn't get on well that's all, that's all part <laughs> but, of it um, isn't it I, I even, it even got to the stage I, I, you know when she got that she couldn't do things I even used to bath her mm. you know oh, and you. I had a very close relationship with her but, Shirley listen um, we've got to move on it's lovely to talk to you thank you for, for sharing your story with me I really appreciate it yes thank you and Ian. thank you for making me think of my nan and granddad one of the worst decisions what's stupid decision of an arrogant 15 year old yeah well i fell out my dad so i'm not gonna see my grandparents anymore what an idiot absolute idiot worst decision i ever made in my life and i, I shall carry that with me to my grave across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio sorry there was a slight pause there as a cup of tea was delivered priorities to get things uh, prioritised. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 7.32, food banks. What on earth is happening with Power Court? And, of course, the big phone of the day, what have you left on your car? 08459 455 555. Got a text on that. Dennis says he left sausages on the roof of his car. We're getting some cracking stuff. This is gold. This, I'm hoping this is being recorded and sent to the Sony Award team right now, because they might as well just halt the judging process. you found gold in all categories. Now, thousands of people in the UK are unable to feed themselves and their families. That's according to a new report by Oxfam and Church Against Poverty. The charities are calling for a parliamentary inquiry into whether this has anything to do with the changes to welfare reform. 
The Trussell Trust, the biggest provider of food banks in the UK, says more than 350,000 people have used their food banks in the last year, almost triple the number from the previous year. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has been to a food bank in Milton Keynes to see what the situation is like there. There's usually some tuna in the bag, so people are glad to the Oh, can I just ask you why you've had to come today? Yeah, because the benefit change over, they've stopped benefit, tried to take you off on one benefit, put you on another, so they put your benefit on hold till it's all sorted out. It's ridiculous. How many yeah. people have you got to feed at home? Four. Two adults, two children, yeah. Two adults and two children. Yeah. So essentially you live waiting for that benefit to, yeah. so you can go shopping? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So when it stops... There's nothing there, is there? There's no one to turn to apart from people like this. You said that you didn't know about today no. until today? Yeah, my friend told me about today. She told me to go to food bank. That's why we went to the church and then come here and they've helped. What would you have done if, if you didn't get this today? I don't know. Um, my family doesn't really live here. My mum, she's a pensioner, she's 73, she can't do much. I don't know. Nothing, I don't really know. Just try to get, like we did this morning, help off my sister in our... <clears throat> So it's very, very hard. I've had to ask for a food parcel because I don't know if I'm going to be paid my dull money on Monday. The thing about it is £142 a fortnight to live on. You just don't have enough money to live down days. And you, re- you really don't. It's like I have to pay TV licence. I now have to pay £150 a year council tax. Water rates, you're looking at, what, 8 to £10 a fortnight being on the dole. That's 20 £30 a month. And if I don't get paid on Monday, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do because I've got no gas, no electric, no food. So when it comes to eating, that's one of the last priorities. You've just listed all those things on top. You mentioned food last. Yeah, food, basically food. um, When I get paid, I've got two kids. I have to provide food for them. And with the little bit of money that I have left over of my doll money, I buy them food and provide for them and go without myself. It's, it's wrong. It's this country. How do places like this help? At the end of the day, it gives you the ability to be able to at least feed yourself and like, keep yourself at least alive. And, then, and that's about it, really. You get five chances to have this. Is that five. enough for you? Me, personally, I've already had four in the last two, three months because of like yeah, personal circumstances and everything. What are you going to do in a few weeks if this happens again and you've maxed out on your food budget? It'll be a case of I'll either have to go without sort of thing, but I'm the type of person, I'm 34 years old and I don't want to have to come to places like this really. You know what I mean? It's, it's a case of I'm being forced to because with like the circumstances and everything I've got that's going on, it's hard to get a job. It's, it's ridiculous. That's Sophie Solaria reporting there, joined now by John Marshall, director of the Milton food bank john more than half a million people in the uk now turning to food aid does that number surprise you uh, hope good morning and no it doesn't actually um i've been looking at the, the report you've mentioned um and i think it's absolutely right it rings true in every respect we're seeing a 23 percent increase this year already so far from last year in the number of people that we're feeding do we know why i mean one of the the, the findings of this report hints that it could be the changes in in the welfare system well, um, even before the changes that were muted, um, we were seeing 50% of the people coming to us that, that were struggling because their benefits had been stopped or they were struggling on the benefits they were getting. 
Um, and that's only getting worse, I think, at the moment. We're, we're seeing far more people that come to us because they're, they have their benefits sanctioned, they're, they're stopped, they're sometimes told it's going to be three or four weeks before you get your money. Uh, and these are people like that gentleman was just saying earlier that um, have no other means. Well, we had an email from a, from a lady whose benefits have changed, so she didn't get any money for nine weeks. And I'm just trying to imagine how I'd survive for nine weeks without any cash. Well, again, people perhaps turn to their family, but the, the lady who was interviewed, I was at the uh, food bank when, um, <clears throat> when Sophie was there, was explaining her family aren't in a position to help her. And, and anyway, it's, it's, quite, it's quite humbling to ask your family to help you. And, and many of these people don't have other places to go. They've been running along on low income for many, many months, sometimes years, and they don't have the resources to, to help themselves. How do, how do food banks work? work? First of all, where does, where does the food come from? Well, about 90% of the food is donated to us by, you know, generous people locally in our community. Um, churches, schools, individuals, companies. Um, we, we, we are so lucky that we get that food. It costs a lot of money to, to, to you know, as you know, to buy food these days. Um, we had over 140,000 food items donated during last year. And we're giving out 200 food parcels a week at the moment. And who can come? How does, how does that work? I'm sorry, who? who? Who can come and use the food bank? Well, anybody that can get a voucher from a, a recognised support agency, something like the Citizens Advice Bureau, um, any of the churches, um, the schools can issue them. Um, we have support agencies. We work very much in collaboration with other you know, voluntary and statutory agencies in Milton Keynes, and they, they assess the need that somebody has for food. Um, most of them will have many other problems. Uh, you know, the need for food is only the presenting problem. Underneath that, there's all sorts of things like debt, family breakdown, crisis... And that's the thing to stress, that food banks are there for a crisis. They're not there for the kind of an enduring support mechanism. And that's our worry, that we're fast becoming that. Is there a limit on the number of times one person or one family can come to the food bank? Well, yes, they're, they're, they're told it's up to five times in a 12-month rolling period. Wow. But we're seeing that, um, again, already that's the number of people that come to us more than five times because they've got genuine needs in many cases has, has again, doubled um, from last year to this. And what do you do, John? Do you turn people away and say, oh, I'm really sorry, you, this is your sixth visit, we can't help? No, we try and work with them. Um, there are very, very few people who are, you know, perhaps um, leaning on us too much and, and, and not helping themselves. The majority of people genuinely are in crisis, have got problems, and their lives don't get sorted out in five weeks. You know, it's, it's much more difficult than that. Um, and I think um, we, we, we are a charity. It is not a right to come to us to get food. It's about us giving, you know, support to people in need. Um, and so we obviously do our best to help them. What, what can be done in the long term? You're uh, a, a short-term measure. What yeah. needs to be done to, to help the situation? Well, I think um, this, this, this report is, is targeting the fact that the welfare reforms, you know, are clearly having an impact. And the, the fact that more food banks are being set up every week um, is a worry. And it's, it's a response to a problem, but it is not a solution to the problem. And I think it needs a much stronger look at how the welfare system, you know, is there. What is it there to do? Is it there to stop people becoming, you know, part of the food poverty problem? Um, at least it's a, it should be a basic right that people have enough food to feed their children. You know, whatever you think about adults in this situation, they have children who go to school who rely on a school meal because otherwise they won't get fed. Um, they go to school, they're not concentrating because they've not had breakfast. That sort of stuff is, is scandalous and needs to be, you know, the government needs to do something about that. John, uh, thanks very much indeed. John Marshall, director of Milton Keynes Food Bank. I find it incredible that people are going hungry in this country in 2013. Well, let's broaden it out slightly. By the way, if you've used a food bank, I would love to hear from you this morning. 08459 455 555. What drove you to go there? Well, let, let's spread it out a little bit, shall we? Are there certain foods that you can't afford to buy anymore? Well, we sent our reporter Justin Dealey out 
to ask that very question? Uh, Sunday roasts, sort of lamb and beef are very extortionate in pricing at the moment. And a lot of vegetables are as well. People can't afford fruit and vegetables. I mean, when you think about Sundays, it's the traditional roast. When was the last time you and your family had a a roast dinner together? About five, six weeks ago, probably. Simply because of the cost? Because of the cost, yeah. Yeah, mostly because of the cost. It's very upsetting for a family that you can't do that anymore, isn't it? It is, because it's tradition. And that tradition's just gone out the window now. So, um... You know, most people now sort of have sort of burgers and things like that of a, of a Sunday and not have a proper dinner. So, unfortunately, that's the way things have gone. They don't sit down to a proper meal anymore. Then uh, that is due to the cost of things. People can't afford it anymore. Derek, for you, you're cutting back on fruit and veg, which is incredible because we're all told that we need you our, our five, five a day. day. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the reason, the reason for it is when you go in there and you see 90 pence for a cucumber... You know, one pound, one pound twenty for a lettuce. To have a salad, it's going to cost you seven quid. It's mainly meat, like the most expensive meats, like lamb and beef. Uh, and the last time we had lamb was about Christmas, I think. Is that your favourite meat? Yes. It's, uh, I think it's, it's most people's favourite meat. But I say it's quite expensive, so there, at the end of the day, it's something that you're not going to eat every every week. Mm. It would be nice to. Yeah, it would be lovely to. I mean, the last time you had it was Christmas, so for you to have lamb, that really would be an absolute luxury now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's something that I've got to put extra money away for, uh, for a special occasion. I mean, going back a few years ago, would you have it at least, what, once or twice a month? Oh, yeah, every time I come shopping, like, on a monthly basis, I used to always pick up a leg of lamb or some lamb chops or something, you know. So you can have it once a month as a treat, but now I can't even do that because it is, it's very expensive. I mean, it's about £21 for a leg of lamb nowadays, which is a lot of money. I remember paying sort of £10 for one. So, yeah, it's changed a lot. Blimey, I'm glad I'm a vegetarian. When was the last time you had a roast? Proper Sunday roast. I've not had a roast... Uh, not roast, yeah, I know. Uh, this year. I've not had a roast dinner this year. And when I was growing up, we'd have a Sunday... I know. When I was growing up, we would have a Sunday roast every single Sunday. And we would all sit at the table, all four of us, and we would eat the roast. And it was fantastic and wonderful. My, I, could, I could just get by on roast potatoes, crispy on the outside, fluffy in the middle. You've got to shake them in the colander after you've parboiled them. Uh, parsnips, Yorkshire puddings, gravy, a bit of mint sauce. I don't even eat lamb, but I love mint sauce. <gasps> can't go wrong with a bit of mint sauce when was the last time you had a roast dinner that's what's wrong with this country that's why we've got all this knife crime and this gun crime and we're all bankrupt and stuff because no one we're not having roast dinners on a sunday anymore that's what it is i knew i would find the solution at some point and boy oh boy have i found it oh eight four five nine four double five five double five when did you last have a roast dinner we're also uh, asking about i don't think you're taking this seriously you're asking what have you left on the roof of your car it's a cracking phone in we've heard someone left a thousand pounds on the roof of the car yeah that got blown away two separate people have left babies on the roof of the car now if you go to facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr you'll see me and uh, my colleague justin dealey sat on top of one of the three counties cars don't tell the boss your comments are rather flippant aiden says it looks like it looks like the dukes of bedford Come on, for goodness sakes. Answer the question, Aidan. Hello, very good morning to you. Elizabeth. Hello. Right, now, you're, you're a sensible young lady, aren't you? I am, yes. You like roast potatoes, don't you? Roast potatoes? Yes. Mm, not really... What? 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 what is going really? on here? 
<laughs> you d- Kelly Betts, who works on the show, just said, oh, I'll tell you something, I don't like those potatoes, they're horrible. <laughs> and now you're saying the same thing. Well, the thing is, I try and avoid them because I, I don't think they're very good for the figure. Oh, so. for goodness sakes, they're roast potatoes! Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, we'll speak to you later on. Thank you very much indeed. How can, pe- how can anybody not like God's gift to the dinner plate, the roast potato? I bet Lester likes roast potatoes. How could anybody? I might just go home to bed and cry. How could anybody not like roast potatoes? Now, if you ever get a train from London into Luton, one of the first things that will greet you is the site of the derelict old industrial estate power court. Just outside the main town centre, the buildings have stood dilapidated for more than a decade. Well, it upset one of our listeners, Edward Smith, who's from Luton, and he wants to know why nothing has been done to improve the area. We'll speak to him in a second, but first, our reporter, Simon Watts, went to have a look at the site. Power Court was once a thriving area of industry, the home to both local businesses and large retailers like the hat manufacturer's Kangle. It runs adjacent to the railway bridge close to the station along St Mary's Road and the Hitchin Road and is seen each day by the many thousands of commuters who pass through on trains from London. But since the mid-1990s, year on year, it's become something of a depressing sight. Windows boarded up, parts of buildings falling down. As I scour around the scenery here today, big blue boards surround every single building here. It's something of a ghost town with danger, demolition work in progress signs and private property signs elsewhere. The owners of the land have changed a number of times in recent years and there have been a number of obstacles preventing development. Plans for cafes and pedestrianised retail areas as well as housing were shelved during the recession, with negotiations ongoing between the current owners of British Land and Luton Borough Council. It has been a huge source of frustration for people living in Luton who remember this decaying shell at Power Court in its former glory, not to mention the local council, who continue to look for sites to ease the need of housing and provide local industry and amenities close to the town centre. So, it's fair to, uh, Simon Watts there, it's fair to say that Power Court in Luton has seen better days. Well, Edward Smith is a gentleman that got in touch with us, and uh, he remembers those better days, and wants to know why the site has been sat in a poor condition for so long. Morning, Edward. Morning. Edward, it's uh, at its peak. How do you remember Power Court? Well, I just remember it it being open for a start, and um, I especially remember the the Kangol Hat Factory being down there, and um, I used to feel quite proud um, being from Luton, uh, when Samuel L. Jackson used to wear his Kangol caps. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just remember it being quite a busy place and, um, you know, lots of businesses down there. It's not a brilliant advert for Luton, is it, when the first thing you see when you, you come on the train up from King's Cross is, is a run-down industrial site? No, it isn't. And, um, I mean, I think that's that's the reason I wanted to get in, in touch with you, really, was because I commute into London every day and, obviously, you know, many thousands of people do the same thing. And it's it's really quite, you know, it started to get quite depressing looking out of the window. And, you know, you can see some of the buildings that are literally just falling apart um, in Power Court. And, you know, when you think it's been like that for such a very long time, and um, obviously there's been plans. And I understand that, you know, with the recession, it's very difficult to, to kind of carry through some of those development plans. But I, I just, you know, begin to despair, really, how it can be left in such a poor state for so long. What would you like to see done? Well, I mean, at the very least, I'd like to see it levelled, um, you know, just completely demolished. Um, 
and you know possibly maybe some some grass seed put down and it and it be turned into some sort of a usable park area or something that people of the town could use while they're trying to decide what to do with it. Well, Edward, stay on the line. We're joined now by Sean Timoney, the deputy leader of Luton Borough Council and portfolio, portfolio holder for regeneration. Sean, why has Power Court been left in such a state for over a decade? Yeah, I, firstly to say I fully... Um, good morning, Ian. Morning. I fully agree with um, Edward. Um, since I took over this portfolio just over a year ago, um, I commute regularly to London as well, and he's right it's absolutely awful and i've been jumping up and down on officers on this one issue regularly um but we're kind of in a a, a really difficult situation because as you've already mentioned earlier we don't own the sites owned by british land there's nothing we can do to compel them to level it or or, or anything at all um so we're totally um it's their responsibility if you like can't now. you compulsory purchase it um, yeah, we don't have the money to compulsory purchase you've got anything. Four, you've got 40 million quid, haven't you, in the bank? No, no, no. Ian, you're, you're, you're being silly now. The, the money that money that we have in reserves is definitely money that we have to have legally. Um, but, we, do, you know, the council's making massive cuts. It's not the sort of thing that we can go and do. I mean, the idea of levelling it and making it grass, it's just not, not a runner. The, the, the people that own the site are not going to spend that kind of money unless they know they're going to get some I, development. Edward, go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I struggle to to believe that it's impossible for the council to put some sort of pressure on British land to do something with it. Even, you know, even if it's a case of, you know, a call every day, just to say, you know, the, the residents of Luton find this, you know, appalling. Um, and it's been like this for such a long time. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and the thing is, you know, like, you know, all the time in Luton, you know, we apparently see money being used for things that are, you know, perceived as being a waste of money. Um, you know, I hate to bring up the Love Luton Festival, um, I hate to bring up the the uh, busway that people really don't seem to be that keen on, and understand that the council are doing their best in difficult times. But when you see parts of the town, like um, the High Town Wreck, um, that's been sitting empty for uh, a similar amount of time, ten or fifteen years, you see parts of the town like Power Court that are just rotting away. Um, you know, it's hardly any wonder that the perception of Luton is so poor. And understand that it's you know the council don't own that land. But, you know, if the council aren't going to put pressure on British land PLC to do something with that, that land, then people like me are. Sure. Okay. Uh, Sean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, we are putting pressure on. The pressure is on every day. Uh, and the ongoing negotiations with British land all the time. If you don't think I'm um, passionate about this, the, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree, mate, because I am. It's one of the well, things I that I want to... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me finish. Let, let her finish, uh, Let me finish, please. But it is a really complicated site. We've got the River Lee running through it. It's got uh, contamination on the site. It's got a substation that's expensive to move. The, the main reason why there's, there's no, no development ongoing on there, yes, we had the recession, we know all about that, but it's what we want there. Now, I see, Housing. This, I see this as a key prime site for the town centre. We want a mixed development in terms of retail, in terms of leisure, in terms of housing. So, I would have thought that housing would have been the priority. Yeah. What with, what with people being well. moved out to Bedford? Yeah, yeah. Central housing, beds? Part of the site as well for houses. We want a mixed development. 
unfortunately, what we, um, what some of the developers would like to see is a very large retail. Now, we could very easily, tomorrow, we could build a Dunstable. We could do Dunstable to it. You were talking about this on the show, weren't you? Yes. Uh, yesterday, Ian. Um, we could very easily have a massive retail where people come in, they get their shopping, they get their comparison goods, and they don't bother with the rest of the town centre. We're not going to do that. That will kill our town centre. But we could agree that tomorrow. But we're prepared to hold out. So you're sort of in this catch-22. Do you, do you allow the, anything to happen rather than leave it derelict? Or do you hold out for what you know is right for the town? Edward, you've got 30 seconds. Well, I, I, I just, you know, um, I didn't suggest for a second that you weren't passionate about it. I, I think we I'm could hear the passion to, in your voice, I, Sean. I, I, That's not know, doubted. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of, you know, the apparent lack of action, you know. Um, and it, with regards to, you know, killing the town centre, I'd say there's, you know, Something needs to be done about the town centre as well. I mean, I'm sure the Arndale Centre, you know, that's still busy. But George Street is a disgrace. Um, the empty cinema in George Street is a disgrace. The underpasses up near the BBC Three. Hey, but can I interrupt just because we? I, I know can exactly I, what can you're doing. Thirty seconds. Sure. You got thirty seconds, Sean. Yes. Thirty seconds. Right. Town centre is not a disgrace. The town centre last year we had three point five percent growth in the town centre against the backdrop nationally a four percent drop everywhere else. The town centre is doing really well. We've got some really great firms that have moved into the Mall and who want to. Uh, moving to new units in power court as well so no i totally disagree with edward there and t- 20 seconds sean he, he mentioned high town wreck is there good news about high town wreck yeah th- we're hoping to um uh, move forward with that scheme in terms of housing much needed for the town okay listen while we've got you on uh sean we've been talking about the firework display uh, in luton being cancelled earlier on in the show we spoke to keith emmett junior uh, which runs the annual milton Keynes firework display he wants to have a chat with you to see if there's any chance of saving the fireworks would you if we put you two in touch would you, is there any chance we could save the fireworks I'd love to talk to him about it. Brilliant. Okay, Sean, we will we will swap details after the show, Thanks. and uh, we'll do that. Thank you very much for coming on, and I think your passion uh, is 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 obvious, Edward. I really appreciate it as well you getting in touch, and uh, uh, hopefully you feel you managed to put your points forward there to uh, to Sean. Thank you, Catherine. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been a fun show this morning. If you've just tuned in, well, you're a very silly sausage. Go back to the iPlayer and listen again after the show immediately. That's an order. You could, of course, get the podcast, which will be out on Friday. I'll tell you about that before nine o'clock. But between now and JVS, some of the things we're talking about include one of the biggest events in the three counties has been cancelled. Will you miss the Luton fireworks display this year? More than half a million people in the UK can't feed themselves or their families. What foods can't you afford anymore? And jog on, JVS. You've got your big question. Well, I'm asking the big question today. What have you left on the roof of your car? Forget your tasers and your EDL and all of that stuff. This is what the people want to discuss, Jonathan. And I'm giving them that opportunity. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. A nice picture of myself and Justin on the roof of a car. If you've ever wondered what we look like on the roof of a car. 81333... Start your text 3CR or look, all of the phone lines are free. Now's a perfect time to give me a call. 08 459 455 555. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. One of the biggest fireworks displays in the three counties probably won't go ahead this year. I say probably because we may be brokering a deal to save it, but. 
At the moment, it's looking like it won't go ahead because there's no money to fund it. Luton Borough Council is cancelling on the uh, cancelling the annual display at Pope's Meadow in the town. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been in Luton speaking to people. Justin, what's been the main reaction to this? Well, um, the main reaction is, and uh, the people that, that won't come and talk on record is that they're quite pleased about this because, oh. if anything, the firework display has been getting worse and worse oh. as the years have gone on. But um, um, some mixed reaction. I've been speaking to people in Luton in the last hour or so and this is what they had to say um i think it's a shame a shame for the children uh, i think my grandson will miss it so your grandson goes every year uh more or less every year yeah mm. and he really enjoys it he does yeah i think all the children do don't they Genevieve, you're somebody who went to the loose and fireworks display every year with your children it has been cancelled this year what's your reaction to that i'm, I'm all right with it um, a lot's been going on in Luton lately, so I think it's a bit safe. Let everything come down, because it's going to be really rowdy there, mm. and then it'll be a lot for the police to do, so it's, it's better. It's, it's better. I think they should cancel it. So you're talking about the shootings, you're talking yeah, about the stabbings. The this year, even if it had been on, you yeah. wouldn't have taken your children because no, you I thought wouldn't it wouldn't have, have been safe enough for them. No, it would have, it, I wouldn't have taken them. Uh, Luton has not been safe lately. So I would not have taken my kids down there. Well, it's got nothing to do w- with crime in the town. The council is simply saying that they can't afford to pay for it. But either way, you're happy it's been cancelled. Yeah, I am happy. Well, they don't have the funds. They need to divert the funds to something more important now. And that's keeping Luton safe. Ben, I've just spoken to a lady who said that she's pleased the firework display has been cancelled because she thinks it wouldn't be safe. You're 18 years old. Would you go along with, with what she's saying? Kind of, yeah. Depending on how things are in the next few months. It's still the same as it is now, and more than likely, I wouldn't want to go. Madam, the Luton firework display has been cancelled. Are you bothered in the slightest? A bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Why just a little bit? Because if it doesn't happen, then people will just go elsewhere. I'm sure there'll be other fireworks in place, but if if it's local to Luton, I'm sure everyone would want to go, Mm. rather than travelling elsewhere to go and see it. Well, I don't normally go, I haven't been for a few years, but I do think it's a bit of a shame because I think it's something nice for the kids to go and see and it's always nice to have something that brings everybody together. So, mixed reaction, Justin. Yeah. I'm curious, why, why were people suggesting it was getting worse and worse over the last few years? Just people's opinions. A lot of people wouldn't come on the record and talk about it. Um, they were quite happy to moan about it, but uh, when I pulled the microphone out, um, they wouldn't talk to me. Uh. But, um, you know, some interesting views there. A lady saying there about, I, d- I don't think it'll f- be safe for, for me to take my children along. We had the same conversation about carnival, yep. and to be fair, that passed off peacefully. But, but she makes a relevant point. With what's happening in Luton right now, the money probably, as far as she's concerned, could be uh, spent better elsewhere than a fireworks display. Justin, thank you very much indeed. We'll speak to you a little bit later on about uh, cars and things. We can talk now to the leader of the Liberal Democrat opposition group on the council, David Franks. David Franks, £14,000 a year on fireworks. It's a waste of money, isn't it? Um, it's a very small amount of money. And when you think about the, the council, what, £500 million turnover... Um, it, I think it's a bit mean, mean-minded, to be honest. Fourteen thousand is not a huge amount. It, it isn't I, it, in that context. It's not. But when we're hearing about scout groups who are having their rent increased from one hundred and fifty quid to two grand, uh, and things like this, cuts are being made. Then saving that fourteen thousand pounds is that not sensible? Well, <laughs> there are things um, obviously that, that could be cut. I mean, if as long as they can go and splash out half a million pounds on two pop concerts. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's legitimate to complain when they make these small cuts. You're disappointed by this, this I, uh, cut, I, aren't you? I am disappointed. I mean, it's, 
Uh, th there were two aspects. There's one, one is the finance, which is small beer, really. Um, but the other is a safety issue. Uh, so long as the, the main firework display was going on, then lots of families didn't have um, their own little fireworks in the back garden. Uh, and to be honest, that's where the accidents happen. So I, it, it was a safety... Um, it, one of the reasons it was introduced in the first place was to encourage people to go to something safe and organised um, you know, rather than do it themselves in the back garden. Well, ha what reason have the council given? Is it purely... Are they purely saying it's to save money? Well, as far as I understand it, yeah, that's the, it, it, you know, that's the only reason they've come up with. It does, it does seem odd, doesn't it? We've, we've had the Luton um, uh, uh, Carnival, which um, didn't draw as many people as was perhaps expected, and, and Sean Timoney said they didn't want to draw too many people. The, the Luton firework display that would get people out, would get people spending money, is gone. Some people might think that Luton Borough Council don't want to promote Luton. Well, it looks like they're almost trying to shut the town down, doesn't it? I mean, the, the, there were lots of reasons why the carnival didn't attract quite as many people. Sure, the publicity wasn't as great. The weather was pretty awful in the days and weeks leading up to it. Fortunately, on the day, it was beautiful, wasn't it? But, mm. um, but the, the weather leading up to the, to the big day wasn't, wasn't exactly encouraging. So I think there were lots of reasons why it didn't attract quite as many people. But those who went had a wonderful time. It's lovely. Will people be disappointed, David, that this has been cancelled? I think some will be, um, particularly those with, um, you know, with children who used to enjoy it. Couldn't we make it work by charging, selling tickets? Well, it's interesting you should say that, because um, when Liberal Democrats were running the council some years ago, we were told that actually making it free saved money. What? The, the cost of collecting the money and accounting for it and auditing everything and all the rest of it, um, they maintained at the time was was more than the money you actually collected. Isn't that interesting, uh, David? I appreciate your time this morning. We, we will follow this story as we we may be possibly bringing two parties together: Keith Emmett Jr., who does the fireworks in Milton Keynes, and Sean Timoney from Luton Council uh, are going to have a chat. Maybe, maybe I could be the conduit that saves uh, Luton fireworks and then they could burn an effigy of me on the f no hang on that's not that's not what i want at all oh eight four five nine four double five five double five uh, is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that oh i keep doing that i'm such an amateur you wouldn't get nick coffer or jonathan vernon smith doing that across beds hearts and butts this is ian lee bbc three counties radio it's the BBC. It's the BBC. I have to be professional on the BBC. Uh, we've been talking, uh, asking, what have you left on your car roof? After uh, I left a banana, it stayed there for five miles. We ate it. We, we noshed down on banana. We've had someone who left a thousand pounds on the roof of their car. That didn't stay there, unfortunately. April's in Luton. Morning, April. Good morning. What have you left on the roof of your car? I've left some keys. Right. Uh, which lasted about five miles. They oh. lasted from where I started to where I finished. They were so. still there? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. But I was also left as a baby on top of the car. Sorry? You, you were left as a baby on a roof of a car? Yeah, my, um, my dad used to marshal at a uh, motorcycle race circuit, Snetterton, uh, in uh, Norfolk. And when I was little, he used to take me to the race circuit. Yeah. And the, he left me in the crib on top of the car, and apparently during the race it started raining, absolutely tipping down. Everybody dove in the car, and they left me on the roof. 
That's te- so. But so they didn't drive off. No. That was which is something. But they left you on the roof to get a, a, a soaking. Yeah. I've always loved that circuit, and I never knew why <laughs> I loved Snetterton until after he died. And we, I found out this story. The gossip came out. Well, you're lucky you didn't get driven away, but still. It's not, not brilliant um, looking after a child, is it? No. Roast potatoes. Yeah? I love them. There you go. But I don't eat them. Uh, sorry? Yeah. Why would you put yourself through that torture of knowing <laughs> they exist but not enjoying them? Yeah, they're not good for the figure. Oh, forget the figure, <laughs> girls. I, listen, if you eat roast potatoes, I'll love you all the more. Yeah, too many carbs. One oh. and that's it. Oh, man alive. Uh, can you believe that, that, um, that Elizabeth Rossini, the weather lady, and Kelly Betts, the... I don't know what she does, lady. They don't like roast potatoes. Well, not liking them is weird. Perverse, I would say. But deviant not eating them isn't is another issue you know, april i'm cu- april i'm coming around to your house tonight i'm going to cook you some wicked roast potatoes i'm going to parboil them put them I in a colander i think you can beat my roasties oh it, that sounds like a roast potato challenge <laughs> my a- roasties are pretty impressive uh, i have roast in there quite often uh, april I'm, I'm we're having a roast potato bake off roast off ben's in wick and ben what have you left on the roof of your car good morning sir good morning um a mobile phone. Yep. I Ooh. had a Sierra Gear estate, which had that little tiny um, guttering around the side, either to put a roof rack on or to let the water drop off the back. Yep. And I drove from Highwood to Chipping Norton, which is just under 50 miles. Yep. Um, I didn't need the phone in those days. 20 years ago, I didn't get as many calls in as I did. Got there and I and said, could you bring your phone? And I said, well, I must have done it. I can't find it. Got out the car, and there it was on the roof. It was still on the roof? Still on the roof. 50 miles later. That's incredible. Yeah. An old, um, I think it was um, Nokia, I think, one of the original ones. Still a small one, but yes. not a big one. And there it was, resting after all that journey. Well, We've been belting down the motorways and across Oxfordshire. And I left a Blackberry on, a, on the roof of the car once. I went 100 yards, and I couldn't find it. It'd gone. Oh, no. Yes. Ben, listen... Th- this little ridge held it, I The think. ridge. The, the, it's always good to hold something in a ridge. Ben, before I let you go, I should have asked you this first of all. Do you like roast potatoes? Um, I did, yes. You did? You don't eat them anymore? Well, well no. Um, I'm on a lifestyle change and have been for some time now, oh. and I only eat 800 calories a day. Now, when you say a lifestyle change, is, is that for health reasons? Is that... That why- is to lose weight. I was nine... I went up to 19 stone four. Wowzers. Uh, and that was two and a half months ago. I'm now sixteen ten. Hey, that's incredible. How tall are you? Five, just under five ten. Okay, five okay. Nine. So yeah, that's 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 a, a lot of weight. And eight hundred calories a day. Yeah, strict. Either measured, weighed, counted, um, Marks and Spencers. If I can use the advert, I'm sure lots of other places sell good packets. This is probably the best, though. Let's be honest. Fuller longer gives you the calorie count on the side, so. I have one small sandwich cut into four when I leave the house. I have that around the day, just a quarter of a sandwich. No, um, just cold meat and bread. Are you not hungry all the time? No, I, 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 I'm, I was. But it's mind over matter. Now you get used to it and oh. you decide that if you can lose that weight, my target is 13 stone. Well, so I reckon by the end of the year I should be at my 
my target weight, my BMI weight should be just over 12. Well, listen, if I've, not been booted off, if I've not been booted off by Christmas, which is, you know, it, it, it's possible, uh, give me a call and we'll celebrate that by having a massive roast dinner. C- congratulations, Ben. Good work, you. Well done. And as I'm always the one tasked with the roast potatoes, because apparently within my family I'm the best at doing it, so I would be more than happy to do a roast bake-off with you. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. BBC this guy. Three Counties this Radio. This guy here. This guy here is a legend. Is that it? Is that better now? Ah, oh, hello, hello. Do I sound? I, I sound fat. Ph. This guy here yeah. is a legend. Everything I've been saying about him off air, n- nearly everything. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> We've been worrying. You came in and said, "Oh, you sound a bit thin." Yes, you've been sounding thin all morning. I'm Thinner not, than normal. I've not had my limiter on. You haven't. No, I don't know what any of these buttons do on this desk. Any of these knobs and things you got to twiddle with. I've it's got circa no nineteen eighty-two. It's an incredible piece of kit. Yeah, but, but just make sure that middle one's always up. Okay, keep the middle one up. And now I sound. Keep it, keep the middle one always up, and then you'll be all right. That's my motto. So keep the middle one up. Yes, that's what you're saying. Just like that. Like that. Okay, I'm, I'm indicating uh, with a finger uh, what, what you mean by that. <laughs> You mean just, just, no, otherwise, I need visual reminders, otherwise I forget things. So I'm going to keep the middle one up. OK. OK. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Yes. Hand your Sony Award back. Well, I've heard this. Hand it back. Do you know Give I, it to me. Cross your name out, put mine on. I, I heard on your, on your big phone-in this morning, I heard a lovely story this weekend. Yes. And this year, you see, I live in Hertfordshire. Wonderful. And in Hertfordshire, you get a very, very good quality of person. Don't you just... And this is a great example of it. I, at the weekend, was at a friend's house, yeah. and she said, you won't believe this. Yeah. She said, I was in St Albans, and I put my mobile phone on the roof of the car while yep. I was trying to get my child in the back, yep. and I drove off. And I got home, and I thought, oh, where's my mobile phone? About two hours later, a man arrives at the front door. Wow. He says, your mobile phone flew off the roof of your car. Yep. I went through your phone book. I found your mum's telephone i phoned her she gave me your address and i'm just bringing your phone back isn't that amazing isn't that lovely that's that that is what makes britain great yes did she give him a reward i think she offered him a cup of tea and he said no oh tight cow oh, oh. <laughs> seriously <laughs> a cup of tea what a miserable <laughs> I once found a bloke... What do, you, what do you want her to do? Suddenly start handing him wads of cash? A tenner, yeah. A tenner? A tenner. That's cheap. For a, it's, it's more expensive than the no, cup of tea. What no. you do is you get the wallet out and you say, l- l- listen, please, let me. And hopefully the person will go, oh, no, don't bother. But, but what you are you paying least, them for? For being honest, for being decent, and for you not having to buy a brand new mobile yes, phone. But they're not some kind of bellboy. Go into your purse. Let me give you some pocket money. I lost my wallet in Sweden, and I was gutted. Uh, And then I got a phone call saying, we found your wallet. They're very honest. Very, very honest. Well, well. So my brother-in-law, who lives in Sweden, took me to this apartment. It wasn't that far away, and we went there. I think they were swingers. Oh. I think they were swingers in there. And um, they um, were were a young couple and another lady... And uh, they said, we found your wallet. And they'd Googled me, so they thought I was a bit of a celebrity. Ah. And uh, they said, we're going to go to a club in town. Do you guys want to come with us? No, I don't want to come with you to a club in town. They said, you might enjoy it. It's an interesting club. I said, whoa, no way. And then I gave them, like, uh, five euros. They were disappointed with that. You gave them five... You see, I would be more offended if someone offered me, like, five pounds or ten pounds, than if they just said, I'm so thankful, thank you so much... She you've, should definitely have given a reward. Money? Yeah, of course!
course. No, I think he made it common. Even if you're paying for his time, he found the phone. He didn't nick it. He didn't put it in the bin. He picked it up. He phoned the mum. He called the mum. You know what the best thing would have been? Bottle of wine. Bottle of wine. Would Bottle of wine would have been yep. lovely. That would have perfect. been class if you'd said, "Wait there." Yep. You went down to your wine cellar, what? and you picked out one of your very nicest bottles of Chateau Neuf de Pap, huh? and you arrived back at the front door and you said, "Please have a drink on me. Yep. Thank you so much." No. Do you want a cup of tea, love? Come in for a cup of tea. <laughs> Watch a bit of telly with me. Fashion the attic's on. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sake. Your friends are horrible. Yeah. What's in your show this morning? Well, coming up on the big phone in this morning, we're uh, picking up not the on car. your... No. Oh. No. On another topic you've been talking about, But not though. the car one? No. You are really... Yeah. You're gambling with your career. On the big phone in this morning, is it every grandparent's duty to provide childcare... If grandparents across the UK were paid for the childcare they provide, it would cost the government around £7 billion. That's according to new research by Age UK and Grandparents Plus. On average, grandparents are giving up four hours a week to look after younger members of their family. I heard you talking to Colette McKeveney earlier. Yes, we like Colette. From Age Concern in Luton. And she identified rising childcare costs and falling incomes as being partially responsible for the situation. Well, there's now a suggestion that the financial benefits and the flexible working hours enjoyed by parents should be made available to grandparents. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your view. I'm sure many, many grandparents do it gladly. But is the suggestion that they should in some way be financially compensated for looking after their grandchildren, is that an outrageous suggestion? Do you think, frankly, it's every grandparent's duty to provide childcare if you have children? and your children then go on to have their own children, and they want to go to work, why would you not, as a grandparent, feel that it is your responsibility to give up bowls, to give up the local horticulture club, and stay at home and look after your grandchildren? From nine, is it every grandparent's duty to provide childcare? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we, we, <laughs> I'm sorry, the give up bowls line is very naughty. We're talking about this as well. Grandparents in the three counties are giving up their time and their bowls to support their children and grandchildren with the childcare they provide now worth £7.3 billion nationally. Well, Mandy uh, Garner is the editor of Working Mums. Morning, Mandy. Good morning. What's your reaction to this research that grandparents are taking on more of the, the, the childcare? Um, well, that's absolutely uh, true. That's absolutely what we're seeing. Certainly, in our annual surveys, the number of grandparents um, being involved in childcare is going up, um, and I think that's very much linked to the um, rising cost of childcare. It is very expensive to get people to, to either put your kids into, into nursery if you can't get into into a, the, the, the free one, or to pay for people to come and babysit, isn't it? It's absolutely, um, yes, it's, it's extremely expensive. And if you've got more than one child um, under five, then it, you know, it, it becomes <laughs> very, very difficult to manage. Um, and I think people, and more and more women are going back into the workplace. Um, and then there's also this sort of question of um, the fact that people are doing more kind of flexible shift work and, and things like that, which um, sort of fall outside of the times of um, of like nursery mm. and things. So, um, yeah, the grandparents are, are much more flexible. And I don't know if your parents are still still with, with us, Mandy, but have you asked them for help with your kids? Yes, absolutely. My mum lives about 20 minutes away from me. Well done. And <laughs> she comes around quite often, yes. Where I live, there's, there's, um, it's, a, it's a village and there's no after-school care. Mm. 
um, except um, you have to pay for a local nursery to come and pick up the children from school, which costs eighteen about eighteen pounds a day per child. And I have four. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's completely impossible. That's incredible. Well, I don't know if you heard um, Jonathan, who's on after me. He is asking: Is it every grandparent's duty to care for their grandchildren? I don't. I don't think it's a duty. I don't think. I mean, I know that some some people have don't have particularly good relationships with their own parents, um, and I, I don't think anybody should feel forced to do it. Um, I, I think it's a very difficult one, and it brings up a lot of different issues. I find I feel very guilty asking my mum to to help out, um, and it uh, she, although she says she loves to do it, um, but it is it is quite a lot of work for children, <laughs> um, and also I think a lot of grandparents, you know, um, as more. As you know, people are forced to work longer to, to get to retirement. There's going to be an issue of, of, of older um, grandparents, you know, being in that position, and people are leaving it later to have children. So sometimes grandparents are quite frail and 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 um, not able to, to to do it. So you know, why do you feel guilty? I feel guilty because you know I don't. Uh, they're my children, and I should. <laughs> I don't feel that she should have to. You shouldn't have had four, Mandy, for goodness' <laughs> sakes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I feel it's, um, you know, she's got her own life and um, I, I don't like to sort of ask her too often. Mm. Okay, well, that, I, and I think that's the thing, isn't it, is, is not maybe being dependent every single day. You're right, I, I'm sure your mum probably absolutely loves it, uh, but it is if you start taking that care for granted, isn't it, I think? I think so. I think if you just, you know, you, you're, you're thinking about your, your, your mum as well. <laughs> And you're sort of, uh, yeah, she, I mean, she says she loves doing it, but um, uh, when I come home, sometimes she looks <laughs> They do look very, very tired, don't they? Mandy, I appreciate your time. Mandy Gardner, uh, Garner, sorry, editor of Working Mums. Well, have you had to care for your grandkids? If you had to ask your parents to look after your children so you can go back to work or go off on a jolly, 08459 455 555. My eldest is going to be with his grandma all day. My wife and uh, the youngest are uh, popping into London to, to pop to a hospital for a little bits and pieces. And um, we quite often use our the boys' grandparents. And we're very lucky that they love it. 08459 455 555. Are you a grandparent that has to look after your grandchildren? And every time you're asked, you resent it. You can be honest with me. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, I can do opera singing as well. You didn't know that. Ah, this is Ian Lee here every weekday morning and uh, between six and nine, between Wally Webb and uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, there is a podcast of the show now. You don't know what a podcast is? Well, I'm probably not talking to you. If you do know, you can find it on the BBC podcast page. You can also go to iTunes. Uh, if you type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, BBC, it pops up. I'm number nine in the charts! Wow! I'm like the Beatles when they uh, released uh, Free as a Bird. I'm number nine in the charts, uh, also number one in the news and politics category. Have they heard this show? News and politics? Uh, thank you very much, everyone who's downloaded it and uh, left nice comments and reviews. It's much appreciated. Uh, and uh, we're, it's going to come out every Friday. And this week's is already looking like a humdinger of, uh, of a podcast. Coming up in the last 30 minutes, what have you left on the roof of your car? Food banks and grandchildren. Are you looking after your grandchildren? It's costing the... It's saving the country about £7.3 billion. Brian's in High Wycombe. Morning, Brian. Good morning. Brian, did you, have you looked after your grandchildren? Yeah, it was very handy for my uh, daughter when I 
retired over 20 years ago and um, looked after my grand uh, uh, grandson and a granddaughter. He's now borrowing, borrowing my car. Oh, hang on, how old is he? <laughs> he's 19. Oh, now. he's 19 now. Okay, right, so uh, he's but, a, yes. Um, yeah, it's strange that, uh, well, not strange, but uh, about, well, years ago, I was speaking to one of your colleagues, it may have been Roberto, when he was on asking the same topic, what do you do with the children? And um, uh, he was interested in what I was doing with my grandchild at that time, which was, we got a very large garden, and I was, we were baking a shoot with guttering and uh, all bits of corrugated iron right down to the house, uh, finally into uh, a hole at the bottom. And uh, this is the sort of thing that I think children... You were making uh, a what? A shoot? Well, yeah, it was getting... We decided to get a golf ball... Oh, I see. ...from the top of the garden, which was all sort of 50 yards away, yep. and uh, uh, into a little hole in a piece of slate... Brilliant. ...that we'd bored in Wales one year. And, uh, yeah, so it was just... And this... ...to keep a slope going all the way. This is why grandparents are so important. A dad probably wouldn't do that. A mum certainly wouldn't do that. A granddad would do that. I thought I'd finish with all that now. He's at university, and... Yeah. Um, uh, my son has decided to start a family, and oh. he's got a three-year-old and a well, two-year-old and a four-year-old. So it's, it's all it's starting all over again. Yeah, and I'm not so energetic now. No, I know, but well done, well done, you. And I, have you got a, with the, the grandkids you looked after? Have you got a? Do you think your bond with them is better because of it? Oh yes, yeah, so something that was said earlier. We still <laughs> we still winding each other up. My grandson and I. Final question, Brian, uh, and I, I should be asking everyone who comes on b- b- before we talk because I'll cut them off if they don't. Do you like roast potatoes? Absolutely. You ca- can you believe there are some deviants working on this show that don't like them? Yeah, I've been listening with interest. There are lots of things I like, and other people hate these days uh, things like Brussels. <laughs> oh, Brian, don't get me started on roast the Brussels. Potatoes, Brussels. <laughs> people, yeah, kids these days, they don't respect Brussels sprouts, do they? No. This all oh, you get a good. Do you like them a bit crunchy or nice and soft? Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, crunchy. I don't like my vegetables overcooked. My nan, my nanny Jennings, she would boil vegetables for an hour, so it was just like mush when it came out. No, 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 no. I like the done vegetables. Brian, yeah. listen, but that, how? Thank you, Brian, and I, Wickham. He's right. You kids, how can you not like Brussels sprouts? What are you? Brussels sprouts are wonder. Oh, I've got. I've got to have a roast dinner this weekend. It's got to be done. It's going to be done. Uh, Michelle's in Bedford. Good morning, Michelle. Morning. Uh, the, uh, Brussels sprouts, where do you stand on those? No, thank you. Oh, dear. We've got off to a bad start, haven't we? Yeah. Well, I said, why wait for the wait, uh, weekend for roast dinner? Have a roast dinner every day. Every day? Yeah, pretty you don't, much every day. I had, I had a cold roast dinner this morning for breakfast. Oh, you... Oh, I, I, hang on, I'm, I'm back in love with you again. Uh, th- th- you're right. R- r- cold roast potatoes, maybe a little bit of mayonnaise, bit of vinegar on them. Oh, delicious. Bit of mustard. Oh, but it's great, lovely. A bit of salad cream, yes, any of those things. It's, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But the thing I always found, because when I was a kid, we'd have roast dinners every single Sunday... And then sometimes my my mum would cook a roast on a Wednesday. It didn't taste the same. No, well, I think my mum would kill me to say this, but she couldn't pretty much cook anything else. But she did have roast dinners nailed to the tea, so we've got them every day. So it's uh, that's what I have every day. It's, it's, I think it's a cracking meal. It's, it's, it's what made this country great. But Michelle, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Uh, Ke- uh, Kelly Betts, come on, Kelly Betts, go on the microphone over there, because I, I want to have a quick word with you. Kelly Betts works on, the, works on this show, and she started this whole I don't like 
roast potatoes. What, what's your problem with roasties? Don't taste very nice. But I don't understand that. They, they They're taste disgusting. I would rather eat anything else than a roast potato. Anything? Anything. Really? Challenge me. Yeah. Yep. You'd rather anything? Anything. But they're, they're cri- the, the thing is, they're like so many different meals. They're crispy on the outside, sometimes a little bit burnt. <sighs> There's, they're soft and fluffy on the inside. A little bit of uh, mint sauce, a bit of vinegar on there. I eat them out of politeness. I would never make them or care if they weren't there okay, anymore. Okay, so you've, let me just take... Hang on, I've got a box here. Let's... A uh, bit of paper. Kelly Betts. Idiot tick. Okay. Uh, now, to save yourself from getting the double idiot tick, mm. Brussels sprouts. All right. Double idiot. Thank you very much indeed. Kelly Betts, uh, who used to work on this show. The big question of the morning has been, what do... Have you ever left anything on the roof of your car? This started, I left a banana on the roof of my car. It lasted... It, it, it lasted five miles. We got out, banana was still there. The kids thought it was hilarious. We all chomped down on a lovely banana. Well, what have you left on the roof of your car? Daily, what, t- tell us your stories. Well, for me, it was a, a watch. I left a, a watch on... A very nice watch as well. very nice one. I got it back, though. I found it in the middle of the road. Um, and also, an iPhone. But this is no normal iPhone. This has got... Uh, this is a work iPhone. This is a work iPhone. <laughs> it's got a very special pack which protects the iPhone... And what it does is, well, it grips. So I was looking for the phone. I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm thinking, how do I go to the BBC management and explain yet another phone <laughs> has been lost? But um, as it turns out, it was on the roof of the car. I'd driven from Luton to Dunstable and back, and there it was still on the roof of the Fantastic. car. So I was saved. Fantastic. You've been speaking to people, uh, asking people about this. Yeah. Some pretty amazing stories. <laughs> the big question of the day. Um, I've been up to Toddington um, asking people for their stories and their disasters. It's a mixed bag, in. This is what people had to say. My girlfriend told me that her uncle left the baby on top of her car roof and he went to drive off and almost almost knocked the baby off. So did he actually drive off, then? He drove for a good couple of yards, yeah. <laughs> and they stopped and thought, where's the baby? Yeah, pretty much. So the baby was safe in the end? The baby was safe in the end. Won't we doing that again, will we? Um, hopefully not. Pete, what have you left on the roof of your car, then? Uh, I left my workbook from my site meeting notes on the top of my car in Liverpool, drove off, and I'd had it for three years, and I lost all my notes and everything. So you were gutted? I was really gutted, yeah. Yeah. I was very gutted. (laughs) Now, Sean, you're clever. You've never left anything on the roof of your car, but a friend of yours has. Can you tell us more about that? It was at a petrol station. It filled up, got the cash out of the bag to go and pay for it, and left the bag on the roof of the car and drove away. So we left a bag of cash on the roof of the car. And how much are we talking about here? About £1,000. No. This was about ten years ago, so it's quite a bit of money back then. You lost £1,000? Yeah, you lost £1,000. Do people still talk about it today? Oh, he still does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's an orphaner, so yeah. yeah. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? But I've never heard anything like that. A grand. Yeah, £1,000. Only a cost of coffee. Yeah, I drove off and then I'd had a few drinks out of it, yeah. put it on the roof, and then got in, got uh, the other people in the car, and it wasn't until I was going through the exit that I really realised... It went all over the road. So I <laughs> had the pleasure of seeing it in the uh, side mirror. Well, we've heard this morning, that in that uh, piece there, and a caller, two babies left on the, the roof of car. I mean, you just couldn't make this sort of stuff up, could you? I, I, I was shocked yesterday. I didn't think we'd find any... But, oh, hang on a second. It's my phone. Do you, do you want to forget this? Yeah, please. It's, it's a BBC number. Hold please on one do. second. Hold on one second. Hold on here. What? Hello? He's doing the radio. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? You're interested? Where's the story come from? Uh, can I give you a call back? I'm just on air. 
Okay, cheers, Mark. Thanks. Bye. That was uh, that was Mark Forrest um, from the best of BBC Local Radio, the national show tonight from seven. He's interested. This story is on the shortlist. How does that make you feel? We're hitting gold this morning. But yes, some interesting stuff. If you stories. missed the Mark Forrest show, it's, you're really going to love it. It's on um, uh, weekday evenings. I think it's 7 o'clock it starts, isn't 7 it? 7 till 10. It's the best of BBC local radio up and down the country. And um, they're interested in... Where, what, what have you left on the roof of your car? They want it. It could be on today. It's a cracking <laughs> listen. I really think you're going to love this one. It is a cracking listen. Justin, by the way, mm. we, there is a picture of us uh, on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, of us sat on top of a BBC Three Counties roof. Yeah, that was a struggle. It, it was hard work mm. you were touching me quite a bit this morning uh, lisa hunter has um posted a comment yeah i know look at Dealey, all bros like with a rip in his jeans can i just say what is wrong with bros well when people talk about the 80s they talk about bands such as simple minds and duran duran what about bros i'll Someone tell you what's wrong with them i interviewed one of them one of the rudest people i've ever interviewed oh they yeah. sounded great though forget it if they're rude they're rude but that mm. music is fantastic mm. drop the boy drop the boy <laughs> anyway, Lisa continues. Yeah, go on. Tomorrow's phone-in is... Yeah. At what age should you stop wearing <laughs> jeans with rips in? It's a very good pro- uh, you're point. Push- you're pushing 40, uh, you've got ripped yeah. jeans on. Pushing 40. I'd probably say about 30. So I'm probably, yes, um, at that point in my life where I should be putting the jeans which are ripped into a bin. Somebody saw me yesterday wearing these jeans and they said to me, what on earth are you doing? So yes, there could be some mileage in a phone-in tomorrow. We'll do that tomorrow then, Justin. Go and get some audio. Thank you very much. Speak to you later on. Justin Dealey, if you want to see the picture of Justin's knee, uh, dans la ripped jean, 08459... uh, Sorry, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. And the Mark Forrest show he mentioned, it really is worth a listen. Uh, It's uh, weekdays, 7 o'clock. You'll hear it on BBC Three Counties Radio, and it brings together the best stories from all of uh, the BBC local radio stations. And we quite often get in there. Oh, yes, yes, we quite... You'll quite often hear Justin's voice on there being introduced by Mark Forrest. So it's, it's, it's well worth a listen. 15 minutes of the show left. 08459 455 555. It's, it's been an odd one today. Roast potatoes. Um, looking after your grandkids. Being on the things you've left on the roof of the car and fireworks. I feel we've, we've pretty much covered a year's worth of material in, in, in a little under three hours. It's been a very odd show. 15 minutes to call in. Let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rosini. And Elizabeth, you're not completely innocent when it comes to leaving things on the roof of your car, are you? Um, no, no. I was, t- I was telling your producer that um, I've left a cup of coffee on the roof of my car. It was actually when I was on the, on the car ferry coming back from the Isle of Wight. And I left the coffee and, um, yeah... I was surprised to see that it was raining coffee, put it... Oh, did it come down the windscreen? <laughs> yeah, cool. Oh, no. Yeah. What a waste of a good cup of coffee. Well, it got a laugh, didn't it? Got a laugh. <laughs> Let's have the weather. That'll get a laugh as well, no doubt. Um, no, not really. It's not going to be very nice. And, of course, Saturday is the start of the meteorological summer. That's nice. Mm. Start to feel a bit more summery as well. Yay. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Have a nice day. See ya. Bye. What foods can't you afford anymore? More and more people are using food banks. We thought we'd wind in a bit and ask, what foods can't you afford anymore? Um, Mark says, um, the pic- oh, we've put a picture on Facebook. Chips and mushy peas. Oh, I like the mushy peas. Uh, that sums up most of my meals, although I do have these cheap pork slices. Uh, the last steak I had was four weeks ago. A friend donated some to me. 
Um, and, uh, a lo- well, this is interesting, kids. A lot of people still buy food they'll never eat and end up throwing it away. I, I still do that. Not as much as I used to, but it happens. There's probably a lot of food thrown away that's still good to eat. No, not in my house. Do people think that there should be Facebook groups within local areas for people to collect foods that others are going to throw out but is still good if eaten immediately? It's an interesting idea. Um, Luanne in Flittick. Morning, Luanne. Morning, Ian. What have you left on the roof of... Oh, oh, sorry, before we continue this. Do you like roast potatoes? Absolutely. Welcome to my show. The crispier, the better. Oh, haven't that crispy on the outside, fluffy on the inside. No other way to eat them. Yeah, exactly. And you get them fluffy by parboiling them, put them in a colander and shaking them. Absolutely. That's how you do it. Okay, yep. Luanne, you are welcome to speak on my show. What have, uh, what have you left on the roof of your car? <laughs> I feel honoured. Yeah, yeah, you should be. Um, I have left a duvet on the top of my car. Sorry? A duvet. How? <clears throat> um, I just picked it up from the dry cleaners because it had just been cleaned. It was a good few years ago, I hasten to add. Oh, okay. I chucked the child in the car and got him strapped in, yep. put my bag on the floor because I didn't want to put the duvet on the floor because it had been a bit wet and I thought, well, I just paid God knows how much money to spend to get this clean, yep. so I want to put it on the top of my car. And um, because my child was kicking off, I just kind of got in the car, shut the door and uh, turned the engine on. This lady was waving at me frantically, so I kind of just smiled and waved oh, back at no. her. Oh, <laughs> And uh, I just started driving off, and it was only then when the duvet rolled down the front of the windscreen and off my bonnet that I realised what she was waving frantically for. And I'm assuming it, it got filthy, did it? No, it was in a plastic Oh, wrapper, OK, all oh, right. So I should have really put it on the floor in the yeah. first place. But because it was wet on the floor, I kind of thought, well, wet sticks to plastic, it's going to get wet in the car and make my car dirty and all this kind of stuff. So. Why? Kids are such hard work to get into their seats, aren't they? Yeah. Why can't we do... Listen, why can't we, we do what we did in the 70s? Well, they can sit wherever they want. <laughs> they don't have to be strapped. I remember being in the 70s, I used to sit on the handbrake sometimes, or I'd sit on my mum's lap, or I'd I, sit in the back and wave out of the window. What? Come on! I used to be, um, when we used to go camping to Wales when I was little, my mum used to set up a bed on the parcel shelf on oh, the back. Oh. Um, <laughs> Going to sleep there for the hours drive. And all of this, this um, political correctness gone mad. Well, I do, this dawned on me the other day. I thought, why don't you see kids facing out the back of the, wi- the back window of the car <laughs> waving anymore? It's because they're strapped <laughs> in; they can't move. I miss that. I miss uh, kids waving at other drivers. I know they were the days, weren't they? they we're showing our age now. Well, you, well, you, you tell me about it. I'm forty next week, Luanne. I'm forty-two in a couple of months, oh, so I'm past you. You're, mate. you're older. You're older than me. That's gone. that's good, Luanne. Lovely to talk to you. I do listen. Of course, I'm, I'm, my tongue is slightly in my cheek here. Of course, kids are strapped in for safety. But, but, when I was a kid in the 70s, we didn't even have seatbelts in some of the cars. Didn't even have seatbelts. That driver never wore a seatbelt. Didn't even have a tape deck. We had a little um, portable cassette player that was tied with a bit of string into the, um, the central thing. I would sit on the handbrake, sit on my mum's lap. I'd sit on my dad's lap while he was driving sometimes, and I would drive the car with him. Yeah, I know, on busy roads. We'd be fighting in the back, lying in the back, head out the window, turning around, waving to drivers behind us. I do think. 08459 455 555. Claire, what have, uh, Claire, do you like roast potatoes? I do, yeah. You, welcome, to, welcome to my show. <laughs> what have you left on the roof of the car? It was a guinea pig <laughs> in a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> You're so naughty! <laughs> yes, poor thing. Why, why, were you coming from the vets or something? No, we were going to stay with my parents. We've got five children, yep. and we take the guinea pigs with us for the stay. Five kids and guinea pigs. Yeah. You really are asking for trouble, aren't you? <laughs> 
so we put the guinea pig on the roof while we loaded up everything and then drove off and forgotten it was there. And we went from Dunstable and got up the hill to Caddington and I suddenly remembered, stopped and got out. Unfortunately, it was still there. Oh, I lucky guinea pig. Very lucky guinea pig. I thought that was going to be a horrific story. <laughs> no. The kids yeah. would have been devastated. They would, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because you, you, it's that thing, I'll oh, just put it on the roof of the car. We've mm. all, this is why I knew this was going to be such a, a good one today, because we've all done it. Mm. Yes. Some people yeah. have done it with their babies, Claire. You, you got off lightly I with a guinea pig. That, no. no. Claire, thank you very much indeed. I knew this would be a, a, a winner, and I do think... I, I mean, Jonathan's he's doing the... Should grandparents be, you know, is it their duty to look after kids? I say, you know, it's a fine one, but I really think I really think he's missing out on a trick here. I really do. Uh, Stephen's in Houghton Regis. Morning, Stephen. Good morning. Stephen, what have you left on the roof of your car? Uh, it was the car in front of me. Oh. It left a, a briefcase on there because I looked up and thought, I've never seen a car with half a sunroof. And realised it was a briefcase. <laughs> Half a sunroof. But the thing was, he was just about to go on to the motorway. Oh. So I managed, luckily, to flag him down. Yeah. And um, hopefully saved a nasty accident. Did, did, and he, he pulled over, did he? And he managed to get it? Yeah. Oh, well, well yeah. done you. Stephen, you've, you've kind of made me think about something. I don't know if you heard when Jonathan came in earlier on, and he was talking about his yeah. friend had left a mobile phone on the roof of a car, and it fell off. Someone found it, managed to track down his friend's address and, and, and stop and um, the, g- g- turned up with the phone. Yeah. The friend only offered a cup of tea. Would, would you, if you'd have returned that phone call, would you have uh, at least expected to be offered a few quid? Yes and no. It's nice if you do, but on the other hand, I think society needs to be that you don't expect you do things because... You, you want yep. to. You're, you're correct. I, I, I think that the, the, the done thing would be to offer a reward and not accept the reward. I think that, yeah. that should be the little social etiquette exchange that should have taken place Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah, because I've been offered on a couple of occasions of rewards, and what I've done is just given it to my favourite charity. Yeah. Or I've, or I've, I've, I've been offered a, a couple of times and said, oh, no, don't, don't worry about it. And if they insist, then, then, then yes, I'll go and buy a CD. No, I mean, I'll, I'll go and give it to my favourite charity. Stephen, yeah, thank you very much for that. Sharon has texted in. She says that uh, she would have offered the bloke, this is the, the, the gentleman who, who found JVS's mobile phone, phoned up a number on that phone. It's quite a complicated, convoluted route. Phoned up a number, um, found out who owned the phone, then dropped it off. Right. The reward that was offered, would you fancy a cup of tea? I'm all right, thanks. Sharon says she should have uh, offered the bloke 10 quid. She says, Jonathan Vernon Smith has got some tight friends. Well, yes, I agree. The- <laughs> You're on in two minutes. Is that what that means, Jonathan? You're on in two minutes. I think the etiquette will do rewards, actually, one day as a phone, because I think it's a good one. I think the etiquette would be, oh, let me give you a few quid. No thanks, you don't need to. That, that, I think that's a good, that, that would be a good British situation. Um, oh, lots of texts here. Let me try and rattle through some of these texts before JVS at nine o'clock. Uh, f- food you can't afford anymore. Nick has texted in. Uh, I'm on my own. I don't buy a joint. No point cooking for one. So I go to a local carvery, have a full roast with all the trimmings. All classy. Cost me under a tenner. Very nice. Very, very classy indeed. Good for you. Matthew and Kempston. I had a roast chicken dinner last Sunday. I'm with you. Mint sauce and roast potatoes. Heaven. It is. I I don't eat lamb. Don't eat meat. But I still have the mint sauce. And I pour that on my roast potatoes. All the fights over the dinner table in my house when I was a kid. Between me and my... Mum, she's used up all the mint sauce. I didn't. You had to... You used it all up. 
Jill says, we have a roast dinner every Sunday. Well done, you. We buy lamb when on offer and mainly have pork or a brisket of beef. I don't know what a brisket is, which is cheap. And if cooked slowly in a stock, it's so tender and tasty. We always have enough left over to have cold meat and bubble for the ne- dinner the next day. Yummy. Oh, a bit of bubble. Do people still do um, uh, bread and dripping? That was a big thing of growing up for me. Bread and dripping. <laughs> you don't even know what that is, do you, young people? It was the fat from the beef. And you get a bit of bread and you dip it in the fat and you'd eat it. Oh, yeah. The 70s were a really weird, dark place. Uh, Janine in Houghton Regis has texted him. I love roast potatoes and didn't need to give them up when I was losing weight. I lost four and a half stone in nine months and did not give up roast potatoes or chocolate. I, I don't think you need to, uh, to, to get rid of the roasties to lose weight. I think you can do it. I think you can do it. And Pete says, Brussels sprouts only taste nice raw. Now, that is just... I'm not going to have that kind of pornography on this show. Raw, raw... The, the only, what are the only vegetables you can eat raw? Carrots? That's it. I'm aware we're, we're, we're straying into partridge territory now. Let's do a phone-in. What, uh, what, what, what vegetables can you eat raw? <laughs> What's your favourite sauce? Uh, oh dearie me Catherine Boyle has just said I stuck my finger in dripping when I was a child I thought it was cake mix oh dear that's it that's your lot don't forget you can download the best of last week uh, in podcast form by going to iTunes uh, or you can send me an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk back tomorrow with Nanny Eileen and some live music the brilliant JVS is up next ta-ta on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.